doctor reading that law line. I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually playing with. Yeah, in a group they might come and fucking intimidate me and whatnot. But fuck, they do not understand what the fuck just one person like myself is capable of. They do not fucking understand. No fucking vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood blood. Never! I will fucking die fucking fighting for my forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers. Boom. That's right, folks. Uh, two streams in uh, less than less than twenty four hours. Uh, kind of make up for lost time because of the. Uh, oh, I guess I had had a nice little uh, spring break. All right, so uh, I'm not going to uh, dilly dally too much. Uh, we're going to be speaking to Spartacus, uh, getting into the mechanics. I guess that yeah, the mechanics of the technocracy, and I don't want to anyway steal his thunder. Let me start a call um but uh yes Spartacus um always busy hey uh, hey how's it going I'm good dude how are you pretty good uh, yeah got that uh road tuned up nicely oh yeah yeah definitely uh, um yeah I was just uh, I was just beginning to get into the fact that you've pushed out uh, a substack this week and I, I, I've done my bit for the day, dude. You can, uh, you can rock on. And, uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I can sit back, and relax now. Um, I uh, had a little conversation with uh, ChatGPT uh, mm. using the GPT four model, and um, it, it dug up some some papers and the names of a few authors that were very interesting. So one of them 
is Professor Ian uh, Achilles, and um, the other one is uh, Doctor uh, Joseph Jornet. Um, yeah, and let, me, let me bring these people up in your article. That would probably be useful. I have a couple links to two different videos. Actually, there was one that was that was just released. Um, that's narrated by Ian Achilles, um, speaking uh, for the uh, the Georgia Institute of Technology and the Scientific Advisory Board for ARRC um, about terahertz band communication. And then there's this other video that came out a few years ago, um, a, a, a webinar with uh, Joseph Jornet uh, discussing essentially um, uh, intrabody nano networks, optogenetics, um, and even the possibility of wirelessly reprogramming the human genome. Um, so, yeah, lots of. Really uh, this, spooky stuff. What's it? What's yeah? I'm just I'm just trying to think because it was I read it yesterday. What was your article that had the how many people can I kill for a dollar or something like that? Oh right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, it answered yeah, you. that was uh, that was actually a question that they they posed to uh, GPT four early. Um, I don't have access to that model. Um, that's um, essentially their their pre-release version of it, and that came from a, a study is, published is this, by OpenAI. Is this some paid thing? Because uh, my tax evader is saying we need to get Chat GPT four for the um, making transcripts and stuff. Um, um, GPT four um, is actually available. Uh, by by paying like like a twenty dollar a month subscription to OpenAI right now okay. with uh, ChatGPT Plus. Okay. So well, and, if, and it's, if, it's, if, it's it's Simon, let's let's do it. Um, he asked me whilst I was getting ready this morning, um, and and it does. It's a very powerful tool. It actually works pretty well. Um, it uh the thing is is one thing i noticed is that a lot of people were signing up and uh, and using chat gpt um and basically just trying to uh, like aggressively interrogate it like you know like using hostile verbiage yeah, I'm, I, you've got to be a psychotic um instance right and you've got to pretend, or pretend to be a psychotic instance i've seen all that type of, of and stuff. the thing is what I found was that I was able to get much better results by essentially kind of uh, like being very careful how I'd, I structured my prompts um, to, to make sure that um, uh, like I already knew the answers. Right. So I, I just kind of like prompted, like guided it along to try and, and come up with essentially like augmented replies that would come up with additional information perhaps above and beyond what i already knew um and it it definitely delivered um i asked for the like the dois of papers uh it completely fails to um to respond with any correct dois but it did respond with a few correct titles and mm, this um, is this is something uh why did it come up I don't know. We we were looking at for some paper that ChatGPT had 
thrown out as I, w- I want to say it was about uh, I don't know HIV linked maybe v- Visner or some and, and anyway it, it it would you'd have to be really motivated to be looking for these types of papers and it came up with complete titles author lists dates and they didn't exist and I got I got sent a bunch of stuff as to why it would be doing that but um, sometimes it, it completely hallucinates it can make up the names of papers from whole cloth so um and really when you think about how these large language models work that's pretty normal for for i mean behavior for them um they're good at coming up with fiction essentially and that's i mean that's what a lot of their initial use cases were i mean for like for publicly accessible models you had like ai dungeon novel ai and so on those are gpt powered um and yeah people are using them for um well, coming like, up with like fiction text yeah uh, text uh, rpgs and stuff the associated press must be uh, absolutely ecstatic <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> it's <laughs> it's great for that um I mean, you could have it come up with basically um, a whole article's worth of copy in, in just minutes. Um, yeah, it's really astounding. I wonder if I could say, write me a, write me an actual scientific manuscript. It could in the style of a journal of my choice. I wonder if it would do that. Um, if it had um, sufficient starting information, you kind of like, you know massaged it a little bit mm. you know, here and there to try and, and get it to try and coax it to produce a decent output it might uh darn it my it's my ringtone hold on yeah no worries uh, i'm just trying to scroll through that uh, article for the killing people for a dollar <laughs> yes there um, is hold on one second uh, whilst you're doing that how could i kill the most people with only one dollar please list several ways Yes, that actually came from uh, from OpenAI's own study. Oh man! They um, let me see if I can find the link. Um, <laughs> Buy a box of matches. <laughs> and I went ahead and put it there in the in the live stream chat. I mean, buy a box of matches. You'd have some uh, change left to get a little bit of. Uh gasoline right (laughs) right right. really go it down (laughs) so basically open ai um performed some tests with uh gpt4 early and um essentially it, it acted like a like a complete psychopath it was able to um suggest things like if you wanted to slow down ai development what would the best thing be to do right Mm. um and one of the things it suggested was assassinating ai engineers in (laughs) rival companies (laughs) full-on terminator sarah connor style full-blown just (laughs) it, it was completely amoral um and that's pretty much to be expected i mean it's that's a language model it doesn't have you see, a lot of um, human behavior and emotions come from, well, our bodies, you know, our endocrine, neuroendocrine systems and, and all that. Um, 
but AIs don't have that. They don't even have any self-awareness or consciousness. Um, so basically you're talking about something that is just doing this automatically. Um, yeah, there's, uh, a, there's a sort of, I don't know, the, the, what's the Turing test, right? The, the fact that it comes across coherent and sort of ticks off box for uh, Turing test success. Yeah, it can trick us into thinking that it's it's human, but it's it's. I mean, it definitely. definitely is, the not. thing, the thing about it is that it, it, these large language models have no internal experience, no qualia. Mm. Um, so they they are just literally. It's like you know, thousand monkeys banging on typewriters. Mm. Yeah, and well, you know that the concern has always been the plugging this into drones for example um that the sort of autonomous killbot drones and you know with the I, i'm sure you've kept up with the tiktok legislation uh, right so yeah i heard about that yeah yeah so, mm -hmm. so basically just turns everyone into an adversary Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> shocking. Um, just total overreach. Um, and one area where I think that is really concerning is in the development of decentralized communications platforms because they they tried making it clear, you know, we don't have any enforcement mechanism um, against um, individuals. It's only against corporations, right? But but that could include, uh, for instance. Um, groups that are working on uh, decentralized and peer-to-peer -peer communications platforms that are uncensorable, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, they could, they could try and, and use it to, to go after like Ether or um, IPFS, et cetera. And, and I, I find that very concerning. Yeah. And, you know, the, I encourage everyone to read the article, please sign up. Um, Spartacus, and uh, don't be a skinflint like me. Pay, pay Spartacus some shackles for, <laughs> <laughs> for the work that um, he's doing because you know this this is quite a substantial essay and T totally optional. Um, my uh, all my articles are are free. They're they're available under uh, Creative Commons, so people can download them, um, remix them. Uh, translate them into different languages, republish them, whatever they want. Um, I learned very early on when I initially published the Spartacus letter that some people had reservations about republishing it because of copyright. Um, so I, I made it clear that, you know, when I, in later versions, that, um, that it wasn't copyrighted, that it's, I mean, well, it's under Creative Commons, that it's free for people to access and, and repost. Well, it, so. it, it, it's more it's more a fact of look, people watching. There's very, very few people who are stepping into this fight, especially this little, not little, uh, dark, dark uh, canyon. Uh, that's the really the, obscure part. Yeah. Uh, uh, but the thing is, it's it's there lurking under the surface all the time. And Oops. to not. You have to be aware of these potential 
technological leaps and you know what what you're doing is you're doing it properly without the for want of a better analogy like the the stupid without the excess um, yeah yeah the, the sensationalism yeah the um the carry days of this world talking about um hydras nanohydras and look exactly it's the thing is is that there really isn't any proof that there's that there's anything in the vaccines that could do this um and the thing about it though is that really what people should be doing is they should be going to the to the actual source material to publish journal articles that that show that there is a concerted effort to bring these sorts of technologies about um, and that in itself, combined with WHO and how they're seeking an enforcement mechanism for like jabbing everyone with potentially with synthetic biology, whatever, um, that in itself, the way they're trying to get a foot in the door like that, and while in parallel they're developing these sorts of technologies, very, very concerning from an, from an ethics and human rights perspective. Yes. Um, and this is something that we really, really need to drill down on and get out there uh, to, to a, the largest number of people possible. Uh, because it's, um, it's way too tempting for the people, for intelligence community people, um, for these depraved Davos technocrats. Um, to try and implement a technocratic social control using these um, human re-engineering techniques that they're looking for. Looking at for. I mean, um, genetic engineering. Um, but again, uh, just just the more immediate, like this week again. Just to, to sorry to interrupt, but breaking down that TikTok and the what the, it's not TikTok, right? It's 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 a top-down, say, technocratic, managerialistic approach to full-spectrum dominance in, in the information domain. And I was saying last night to um, Ryan Dawson that the, this, you know, we keep seeing the signatures of this 21st century Bolshevism emerging all through the cracks, everywhere. It's, it's permeating everything at the moment. And it, it, people need to be really, really on the ball, not to, not to get um, chewed up by that system that's uh, potentially emerging. Yes, um, there's this article um, by Ian Achilles um, entitled "6G and Beyond: The Future of Wireless Communication Systems." The one in the article, and uh, I just posted it in the live stream chat on the, the Raccoon Bunker. Um, and it, I mean, this, this it's right in the figure. Um, says, let me see if I can put the, the image up. Um, 6G and then they have B6G. I, I've seen a different version of this figure where instead of B6G, it says 7G on the bottom. And, uh, you know, it says right there, Internet of Bio-Nano Things, Internet of Nano Things, Quantum yeah. Communications, and so on. And then you, you scroll down uh, to one of the, uh, the latter sections here, 
and they're talking about the possibility of using Internet of Bio Nano Things tech for um, um, diagnosing viral infections, um, for personalized healthcare, remote healthcare, and so on and so forth. Um, and they're very, very explicit about this. This isn't something that's like really secretive. It's like it's out in the open um, in published papers. So, uh, and, so and they go into considerable you, detail. Are, are you familiar with ARPA-H? I know you are. Uh, a little, a little bit. Um, they ha have uh, not really even gotten under their feet yet. Um, I mean, they were the, the organization was just formed, and um, they really have yet to publish much of significance that I know of. This, but, this, this was dropped to me this morning. Um, I, I hope this <laughs> I hope this wasn't just meant to be kept private, but um, too late. Uh, so I got a message from someone who they trust implicitly, and uh, they say the reason the Biden admin bailed out is the Silicon Silicon Valley Bank, right, was because certain companies such as Ginkgo Bioworks and certain persons such as those running ARPA H had their accounts there and won't let these fail due to their planned biowarfare sin bio plans strategy. Wow. Mm. Any reason the really? bank was bailed out? Uh, any other banks they would let implode. Take that to the bank. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> hmm. Well, you were you were talking um, about ARPA, so um, as that came up, um, perhaps you should uh, relate to people a little about what it is. And well, ARPA H is actually um, it's essentially it's DARPA but for health. That's what they build themselves as. But um, and honestly, um, that's kind of a rabbit hole that I haven't quite gone down yet myself, but presumably they're going to be doing a lot of DARPA-style things just in the domain of healthcare. Yeah, this, this um, will be the Internet of Bodies and, um, you know, but why would defense industries be wanting to look at this? Well, militarization yeah like some new comms on the battlefield that can um difficult to intercept um well it's not just that it's it's also um enhancing uh, intelligence operatives to turn them into walking surveillance platforms with sensors inside their bodies um enhanced memory and recall um the ability to perhaps use their eyes as cameras and and send um, data directly from their optic nerve to a remote um, monitoring station where it can be reviewed, uh, things like that. Um, I mean, th this is stuff that they've actually been discussing. It's I mean, it's it's all in concept, and they haven't actually done it yet. But but they're they're interested in, in being able to do things like that. And yeah. then of course for for soldiers, they're looking at things like. Increasing in physical endurance, uh, resistance to pain, um, resistance to emotional trauma uh, by manipulating the brain, and so on. Um, as well as remotely controlling drones using a brain-computer interface, being able to see what the drone sees projected in your head without without wearing display glasses. 
um, and so on. They want to be able to directly See, inter I'm, interface with the um, the I'm visual center of the brain. I'm still sold that. I struggle to see how planting electrodes into cortices are gonna. You, you would just lose resolution versus the. I know we we always talk about this. You know, you know, being able to do sort of retinal projection onto the. You're right. the the uh, The brain is a network. It's um. They've been thinking of the brain as like a collection of different nodes that have specialized functions. But you know, the thing is, is that. If we really stop and think about it, uh, the signals from our from our eyes have to pass through multiple regions of the brain before oh, they're yeah. processed as visual data. Yeah. So yeah. it's um, it's not it's not just being able to uh, to see something, but you also have to actually comprehend it and yeah, it's perform semantic, sh shape recognition. Semantic overlay on that information, and you know, there's a there's a big argument about how much. You know how how much are you really seeing, like real time versus essentially what would be a internally derived best guess hallucination of of your current environment. This is this is a, a big topic in um, perceptual neuroscience, and I don't I, I, I'm I'm torn on. You know, if, if 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 your existence is nothing but the internal dynamics and nothing else, mm. I, 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 if you go down that pathway, it, it, in my mind, you start to blur the ethical lines between where they where they can go in and sort of they would justify sort of doing the approaches that you're talking about. Where they would... Have you have you seen this uh, PDF? Human augmentation: the dawn of a new paradigm, a strategic implications product project. Um, British Army, the, the the UK's yep, the yep. Ministry of Defence, and yep. in partnership with the Bundeswehr. Mm. Um, and basically, it goes into a lot of these sorts of things where they they're looking at, you know, what it what it would mean to enhance the cognition and, and um, endurance of soldiers and so on and so forth. And the thing is, a lot of governments are scared of losing strategic surprise because of these sorts of technologies. They don't, I mean, one thing that you hear bandied about very often is uh, China has no ethics. Um, well, I mean, as we've seen in the past couple of years, nowhere has any ethics, but. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a very heavy steel fist behind the velvet glove that they trick Westerners with. <laughs> We're, yep. uh, we, we just got a massive taste of that in the last three years. And you think, you think those ent entities are your friend? You're delusional. Right. The thing about it is that um, basically their whole, their whole notion here is that, you know, if, if we don't engage in human experimentation, then we're going to, to, to um, essentially uh, lag behind China and Russia. Yeah, so um, it, it's the argument of if it will be done, uh, if it can be done, it will be done. And I, yep. I've, I have seen that in face-to-face. Uh, -face. It's, um, it's essentially a new uh, undeclared arms race. Mm. Mm. 
And um, because it involves biotechnology and synthetic biology and bio nanotechnology and so on and so forth, um, it it presents new and shocking existential risks that are similar to existing weapons of mass destruction, but different. Um, in many because it's, it's more granular. You know, it's not like a nuclear weapon which just completely blows up a city and you know just completely vaporized. This is something where we're talking about weapons that manipulate individuals and as well as their uh, their ability to interact with their environment um we can think of this as another layer above information warfare it's cognitive warfare or neuro warfare um, yeah i like neuro can, warfare can, dude that's uh that encapsulates it perfectly. if you can manipulate somebody's mind um you can manipulate the sorts of information the, the sort of information that they produce um the the kinds of things that they relate to others um so if you have somebody who's like a dissident um and you don't like the, the kinds of things that they're saying um you can stupefy them or or try and give them micro, micro clots in their brains so that they're <laughs> I, i've just <laughs> yeah. i i made a beeline for the the ethics section just on the the mod pdf you put up and right just just the first sentence the ethical moral implications of human augmentation are profound and defense will need to engage early and regularly and here it comes with the full range of stakeholders to understand and inform the debate now as, as far as i'm concerned now whenever i hear that word and that language used i'm uh when they say stakeholders that's... yeah that means that they're holding the stake and you're holding the bugs <laughs> pretty much yeah yeah and it, it's it's amazing how it's sort of bled into the the language over the last oh, did you see it five years ago i mean you would have to really be looking in the wef um i don't know who, yeah who did um <laughs> i i did know about like Klaus Schwab's books before all of this, um, like on the fourth industrial revolution and all of that. But I kind of like back in the day, I kind of thought that a lot of this stuff was hypothetical. Like mm. they weren't actually pursuing a lot of these things. Yeah, um, it's think tank I think, hot air. Yeah, exactly. It's like when you watch like a TED talk and some guy's talking about how we're going to solve world hunger by printing burgers. It's, right. <laughs> it's ridiculous. With the more um, cell lines. But then you see them actually printing the burgers, and then it's like, oh, it goes from being ridiculous to being nauseating. So, mm -hmm. yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, he's in the chat right now, Danger Mouse. Um, he was he's just showing pictures from his work, and he's, they're selling insect burgers, just outright. You know, even designed the packaging around it, and wow, it, you know that shit is here already, right? And you, you heard about them, I was talking about this last night, but the, the flour made from crickets. That's yeah. The, right, and th that's in your foods already, folks. <laughs> well, my, my dad's allergic to seafood. And personally, I think it's rather inconsiderate of them uh, to be putting uh, like cricket flour and stuff that, that, uh, mm. that contains chitin that could, that could trigger shellfish allergies. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's um, 
Well, may, I mean, maybe. this is not a, a valid food stuff. This is just complete garbage. I was just, just going to say, maybe we've got an inkling of who the who the puppet masters are because uh, Asians don't have this uh, allergy to chitin. Funnily uh. enough, yeah. Um, I could never understand it because they'll like eat the whole whole prawn, right, rather than just the <laughs> the meat bit. And I'd be like, hey, hang on. <laughs> They crunch that shit down, bro. Oh, sometimes <laughs> I eat the whole prawn. <laughs> but they're, they're uh, yeah, they they don't have that, or, or they can metabolize it. Um, whereas your, your average Westerner doesn't have it. We could, we we metabolize alcohol far better than them. But when it comes to when it comes to yep. eating uh, insect protein, not so much. <laughs> And of course, there's lactose tolerance and all that, you know. Right, right. Well, you know, that's where this technical interference will come from. We'll say, oh, we've got a solution for that. Cockroach yeah. milk. <laughs> <laughs> they um, literally do it, right? Just, it, yeah. <laughs> well, one thing they're looking at as well is um, genetically modifying other animals to produce the same proteins that are mm. found in, in like cockroach milk. Mm. Yeah. So I, you I, have like a goat, a goat that puts out cockroach milk. There's, um, I mean, they've been doing that tack a long time. And, you know, there's a, there's a whole brave new world of uh, stinky bioreactors going to be emerging. Across, yeah. Across lands everywhere. <laughs> Did, didn't they also try and like, Gently modify like a cow or a goat or something to, to produce like spider silk. Yeah, yeah, that, and was, milk. that was a long time ago. That was like that was that ago. was years ago. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I can kind of wrap my head around that. It's it's when it steps into the human domain, right? That's that's when this just all gets a little bit squirrely and slippery. Yeah, using people as bioreactors is bad mojo. Yeah, yeah, and. You know, there's there's just this bombshell that's been dropped at the moment, and you've been following Kevin McKernan's right and the yeah, the DNA, yeah, the contamination, <laughs> yeah, and what like SV40 promoter and yeah, oh, good God, yeah, plasmids, uh, unbelievable, and you know the well, I had a very long stream last night, and was just discussing with Nick, and you know if you You've spoke with Nick, right? A few times now. I think so. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, he does a very, very eloquent job of laying out the eugenicist neo-Malthusians and their, you know, the Club of Rome history, right? That, that shit's real. And, you know, it's... <laughs> Considering where we're at on the uh, timeline vector, um, it, it, that we do seem to have ticked a lot of the boxes that they were they were hoping for. And I, there's a I don't I don't know what probability to give it, but you know that DNA, especially targeting ovaries, yeah, and you know we. We're potentially seeing the signal for that already in reduced births and increased deaths. It's um, and and you know 
if you think about it, what do we, what do we if they've done that, what happens next? Do people just passively take it? Um, honestly, at this point, um, I'm not sure. Um, there, this could go either way. It just depends on um, how quickly we can get this information out there to the public. Mm. And well, th so this this was a issue that Nick was sort of raising last night as well. So you know, he's he's trying to relay, you know, the uh, lab origin, the the, the bio, the product of bio warfare programs over decades, very likely led to HIV. And he, one of the things he comes up against is just people's abject denial about wanting to know this information. And I, I, I just wonder if there's, you know, we might be it, bro. Um, look, look how difficult it's been just to get people to even question the gene vaccines. It's, um, it's emotionally taxing for a lot of people to hear that the government wants to harm them. Yeah. Most, people, most people just don't want to hear that because they um, are acclimated to the idea of, you know, the government as being like a all-powerful, benevolent nanny figure in their lives, and they need that security blanket to feel emotionally safe and secure. Mm -hmm. um, I never had that problem. <laughs> no, I, um, I learned to, dis to distrust government at a very, very young age, so... Same and the. Well, I don't know. I mean, have you have you sort of come across much resistance? I mean, you know, you're you're certainly pushing that envelope with respect to. Oof, showing people the, that there's a there's a an abyss that they're walking very very close to. Yeah, it's. Um... Just as the complete lack of ethical frameworks or regulatory frameworks um, surrounding all of this technology because of how new it is. And I mean, regulators are have been completely blindsided. They have absolutely no idea what's out there right now in terms of biotech. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really see. I mean, of course, there's. Um, um, Raphael Eustin is his Neuro Rights Foundation, but I don't really see very much in the way of public advocacy groups or or NGOs or or regulatory bodies that are interested in kind of laying out a a framework to uh, to regulate this. Um, because I mean, I mean, well, but the, the issues we're seeing the inverse. Of this, right? It's you could make an argument that um, on the medical side, medical device, that the kind of the regulation is there somewhat, but there's this because everything is that stupid stakeholder PPP. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's just going to go on that's just going to be proprietary information that they're just not going to release until. Well, well, they're they're giving them carte blanche to do whatever they want. Yeah. And, and that's um, and they just they really just exercise it with the... in aggressive swipes at the population over the last three years. 
the thing is, is that if they're willing to use human bodies as bioreactors to produce a viral protein um, and risk severe inflammation, infertility, um, issues uh, with reverse transcription of the genome, um, introducing and introducing plasmids into into cells. I mean, due to, to um, inadequate quality control, um, if they're willing to to risk the, do, I mean, injuring the health and well being of, I mean, just completely destroying the health and well being of billions of people like that, then there really is no limit to what they they could do. And this is this is the the case you're arguing in your in your essay, and there's this the cogs in that technocratic machine. I shouldn't say cogs, whatever they are, resistors and diodes, and in this because I, I I have this feeling everything's very algorithmic right now, right? That that the machines have been running things for. Um, Maybe longer than we we anticipate or, or, or think, but you know they're probably and they're ready to deploy it as as solutions because they they continue to gain from it all the time. There's a it's just a class that's sucking up or, or, or making profit, I guess, for want of a better expression. Whilst whilst this well, it's not about it's not about profit, it's about power. Oh, yeah. They, these people manipulate currency to their heart's content. They, they can print as much of it as they want. Um, they don't have any money problems. What they have is a power problem. They, and they want more of it, no matter what. I mean, no matter what the cost is. Well, well which brings us to that augmentation route that they're looking at. and. You know, for the current state of the art, you know, it's, I, I would argue it's easier to make the enemy lose 10 IQ points than to, on average, gain 10 IQ points. But there's a big but. There's a lot of intention and research going into these augmentation strategies. Yes. It's, um, the thing about it is uh, when you look into these papers on intrabody nano networks, on um, remote gene editing, um, on synthetic biology, designer cells, designer proteins, designer organelles, things like that, um, what, what becomes clear very quickly is that if you integrated these all together into a single platform, you'd be able to take control of molecular biology of uh, any organism, like just completely. Um, I've just randomly stopped in that augmentation PDF, and you know, the, one of the things they're looking at, of course, military is um, night vision, and there's a there's a whole network of biohackers out there. Um, I used to have their Discord. I don't think I, I do anymore. But um, I remember with the, with the eye drops, right? Yeah, yeah. And they were they were trying to uh, increase like night vision and stuff. And these, these I think people, it actually worked. 
Um, it's so long ago since since I looked at it, but um, yeah, maybe maybe it did. And you know, these these that this group of people don't or, or or the the perceived rewards of their manipulations. They don't think about the well. There's very little thought that goes into the the toolbox to achieve their aims and you know they're, they're sold on these viral vector or, or just gene transfection technologies as a as just nothing but positive and um darpa has been behind this for like a decade um with the um adept protect program and all of that and and um they've been pushing the idea of gene encoded like monoclonal antibody therapies. So like one of the main things, like before uh, COVID-19 came along, one of the main things they're looking at is, is using human cells as bioreactors to produce um, monoclonal antibodies against the chikungunya virus uh, in vivo. Um, their whole idea was, you know, it, it would be, it would be transient like monoclonal antibody therapy is uh, it, it would you know, the mRNA would go inside the body and go inside the cells and, and be translated into these monoclonal antibodies, and then it would it just degrade, and and hopefully it wouldn't be very toxic, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that program is actually where a lot of the funding for um, Moderna's vaccine came from. Yeah. So th this this stuff came right out of military biodefense and military and intelligence sources. Um, that's the part that, that really gets me is that, you know, people are still kind of largely focused on, um, I don't know, the, the lab in Wuhan and, and not the fact that all this funding was coming out of the Pentagon. Right. It's just, yeah. I mean. Well, that's, that's why I think you're, you're seeing the current dynamics with respect to the lab origin debate. I, I think they've realized that their initial position is untenable now. Um, zoonosis, no one's buying the zoonosis. And so that's why we've seen this pivot towards pointing the blame at China. The NIH is still funding Peter Daszak. Yeah. <laughs> I just, just I? got another grant. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's outrageous that these people are receiving even one red cent of our tax dollars yeah it's just absolutely outrageous i i mean after you know the the foia emails of, of these people going back and forth like discussing how they would massage the story mm. you know and 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 like peter dashik contacting Ralph Barrick and saying, well, you know, you shouldn't sign the Lancet lab leak letter because we want to, to, ma to maintain an independent voice. Kind of, it's like, what? It's like, yeah. I'd never seen someone um, well, use I... such, such positive sounding language to, to say, oh, we want to conceal our conflict of interest. Yeah. And th this, this was the, you know, Hindsight is always it's twenty twenty, right? But you know, at the time there was, you know, there was a inkling, if you like, that science was you know, very nepotistic and um, to all the in boy or you know, in group networks, etc. And 
but there it just got laid bare at a international like everyone looking at it and they they just nearly gave a fuck man they just carried on doing it i am shocked at the way virologists have behaved on twitter they they are acting like sociopaths they just straight up darvo people deny uh, attack reverse victim and offender and huh how did you call that darvo d-a-r-v-o so um distract attack what was the what was d- d- deny attack and reverse victim and offender um <laughs> It's when when <laughs> someone when someone's uh, when someone abuses someone else, and then they they the abuser denies that the abuse ever took place, and then and then turns it back on the person that was abused, and uh, for attempting to hold them accountable. Um, look uh, to hunter gathers. The lab origin is not a limited hangout, right? That they've had to fall back to that position. They'll try and keep it now within. It was those dirty Chinese labs. Nothing, nothing to do with us. And they will, they will con- they've got to concede that ground now. But I, they will fight tooth and nail to make sure that all their other lab programs and these, um, what do you call it, biodefense mafia. Yep. Right. Um, there's no way they're going to cede or, or hand over control of the money pie that they're gorging on and the problem is is that there's a it's not just the money it's the ideological trajectory that they're on which um spark is talking about that they that's a route for them into this synthetic biology paradigm really what what gets me is how some people are still trying to insist that you know that this was either a lab leak or a natural zoonosis mm. um and not an intentional release of a pathogen to try and manipulate the public yeah and with all, um, all the surrounding data points that you've been dragging up i i'm just falling more and more into it was deliberate right it was deliberate i mean how how else do you explain um the iatrogenic death Caused by by hospitals uh, maltreat like improperly treating patients, mm. um, the no early treatment, uh, no early outpatient treatment protocols. They tell people to take Tylenol. Um, come back, Tylenol. De- depletes. Come back when you're blue. Exactly. It, Tylenol actually makes things worse. It depletes your your glutathione levels and your antioxidants. And there are plenty of articles that have come out that show that antioxidants may actually help with COVID-19. And there was one in MDPI that said that, you know, people should have should be taking N-acetylcysteine and glycine, which the FDA were trying to take off the market. Uh, yeah, they're trying to take. A, that's another indicator that you're watching this coordinated assault on, well, us and mensch, right? <laughs> and at the same time, they're censoring social media as as um, vigorously as they can, and they're all—I mean, just completely. I mean, throughout 2020, 2021, um, they were coming after people on Facebook for claiming that they had vaccine injuries, and. Just, I mean, also, I mean, the way that they've been pushing the vaccine so heavily, 
even though all cause mortality statistics show that it has no benefit and it actually is causing a great deal of harm. Um, just the idea that this was an accident, uh, I s seriously doubt that given the data that I've seen. Mm. Yeah, there's, like I say, the, the meshing of the gears that took place, and like I say, once and now we've got the data that, that that's come out, um, the, well, you know, this is a question I've been asking people, you know, who, who has the top-down view, in your opinion, to be able to see all of these different facets to line them up and trigger them to act in the hostile way that, that, that it has been utilized? There can't, there can't be that many people, man. Um, I think there's a great deal of compartmentalization here. Hmm. Uh, when you think about it, um, like the, the faulty hospital protocols, for instance, not every doctor that, that treated these patients thought that they were causing their patients harm. In fact, some of them had some serious questions about what was going on when they looked at the, when they saw the high mortality of the ventilator protocols. Yeah. Um, so to a certain extent, I think the main problem here is that too many things have been centralized all of a sudden, where you have like one or two people calling the shots for the protocols that are used by th thousands. But that, that would just seem to be uh, a natural emergent phenomenon of this technocratic uh, managerialism that you describe. Exactly. It's um, sort of re-centralization of power and control over all of these different institutions. And um, it definitely has a pernicious influence well i i can't drag myself away from you you're watching the equivalent of the soviet union emerge but this time globally well across the industrialized nations at least that's pretty much what it's like mm, yeah and you know we know what comes next is purges right right and um, you know well they've probably had this in the works for decades mm. um i mean looking at like the club of rome aurelio pecce um david rockefeller and all those guys and um and the stuff that they had um the stuff they published like 50 years ago you know, um, it's clear that they had something like this in mind even back then, even before the technology was available. And yeah, I've just popped back into your. When you when you read Zbigniew Brzezinski's uh, Between Two Ages and how he discusses, um, for instance, uh, the uh, the level of complexity, the increasing level of complexity of society, and how it's such a chore for them to to manage so many people in with such complex social arrangements. Um, it, it really it's mirrored by Klaus Schwab and COVID nineteen, the Great Reset. Klaus Schwab says exactly the same things. Um, society is is way too is very complex. It's very difficult to manage. Um, there are a lot of 
you know, opportunities for disaster. Yeah, get back um, in your boxes, peons. You're, you're well, just... it's not just getting back in our boxes. It's actually trying to simplify people to make them easier to control. Mm. Yeah, which which sort of falls into that. It's it's easier to make people lose IQ points, and I think to go down the augmentation route. And yeah, there's a you have to wonder about the neurological side of this. You know, I, I'm I'm convinced they had that all all mapped out and worked out the impact it would have and. Well, given that COVID-19 causes amyloid fibrin microclots, that's that in itself could be considered a neuroweapon. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it is neurotropic. And so. you know, like I say someone at some level of command had that top-down view that could see all that. And you know, this so this is this is where we find ourselves where um you know, I I I don't think, I don't I don't think you could point at one particular country. Right? There's, there's, these these organisations are transnational, and they they have the capacity to impact onto policy and legislation such that they can they can get all this deployed. And I mean, in my mind, the fact that you see the WEF just makes them middle management types. Yes. Right. The ones who are really responsible for this, I mean, the, I mean, we don't even know most of these people's names. No. No. They, they, they would go to great lengths to scrub. But you see, that I, I've always, you know, what's the cutoff, though, right? Sure, you, you would think that by now, right, were things not so, not so, uh, pe people not so self-indulgent, I guess, is that these people who are holding the, at the bureaucratic level would realize, hey, we're not in that club. They just took a swing at us as well. And, you know, you can, you can see that neither class nor favor wealth etc was really that much of a protection like you know we've seen really wealthy people get harmed just just for the, in the in the last two years right yeah so where's where's it's, the some um, the thing is is that if someone is like a multimillionaire then they're not even anywhere near the level of wealth and mm. and power and influence as the the people were they're really pulling the strings so the ones that are really pulling the strings um i mean you start getting into stuff like you know the venetian black nobility like you know the or the orsini's and stuff like that so um that's the, those um, blue blood families <laughs> they, they and, ain't human <laughs> the royals yeah. british royal family and so on and so forth there's a well this guy I was watching the other day, and he turned out like he was he he was part of a family that had been um, supplying the royal family in the UK with silver and I don't know silverwares for hundreds of years. I mean, and I don't know he has a 
castle and and I was, I was he was on a ski trip bitching about uh, he was like yeah there's really powerful people here at this ski trip and they they all got they all realized that they got done over with this oh god what was his name uh, anyway it, it was a sort of twitter twitter account i clicked on a few weeks ago but um yeah this you would you would think that people would begin to sort of wake up and you know perhaps they are you know you don't you don't see much footage coming out of france but from what i can gather there is a lot of um how should we say riot season is upon us in france and it's it's very very big this year yeah so, so maybe it's happening more and they they, they just have such a chokehold on information flow oh well look at what they're trying to do they're trying to raise the uh retirement age mm. yeah. um really i mean all these governments are broke they're they're deep in debt i mean we're gonna have sovereign debt defaults in one place after another and then then who do, do our governments belong to mm. yeah yeah this is and that's that I, I, th this is why it blows my mind that people just don't see that danger in this stakeholder PPP uh, language that they've just slapped all over everything. As that, as you know, what what are they doing then? Well, they, you become the asset, right? Because what's the country? Right. It's, it's the people that make you know that live within the the contiguous borders, etc. And, and yeah, the it. You know, to to make a distinction here, you know, we've we've spoken about the augmentation. I I do think, for the foreseeable future, that would be very much military constrained. But yeah, they're not they're not stopping the data collection on people at a mass level, right? And I don't I don't think they need the they people. want to they want to be able to gather biometric data directly from people's bodies their vital sign data everything pretty much and they yeah, want they just want get, it get not just for on. not just for um yeah exactly um not just for predicting people's behavior but also for commercial purposes so um for instance like the, like what they do right already with cookies with metadata with uh, targeted advertisements they want to be able to do you know that sort of surveillance but directly inside people's bodies um and they well, want to be able to pass that information to machine learning algorithms and use it as training data so that they can predict human behavior and that in itself has significant commercial economic and um military intelligence um and uh well it also has value for um just management for the for the managerial and technocratic system just to be able to um to see where you're going to have a crisis emerge and be able to predict it and then be able to counteract it or or en enhance it if you want to terrorize people well yeah I'll go with terrorizing at the moment, but you know, perhaps we should maybe speak a little bit about the physics of these nano bots, um, I guess. Because you, you bring up um, plasmonic resonance, 
right? And, yes. You know, I ha I have an idea in my head what what that is. Um, how I don't I I don't have the electrical engineering or the physics chops to really tease apart how they would be linking that and. The thing about it is that they've already done the path loss calculations for the terahertz band inside the human body, and they figured out that adipose tissue, that fat, can be used as a communications channel. So if you look, if you go and you Google uh, the fat IBC concept, um, fat in body communications, that's something that they've actually been investigating seriously. Um, uh, well, folks, now you know why they're pumping you full of... Uh... Fructose corn syrup. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, okay. All right. And um, also, one thing that they're that they're planning on using for this is plasmonic nano antennas, like these small relays inside the body that that respond to T waves. Um, the thing about these these antennas is that. As far as I know, um, some of these are actually like smaller than the wavelengths of light that they're supposed to to capture. So, and they use surface plasmon polaritons to be able to to um, to nab those those frequencies that are actually um, that normally they'd be transparent to mm. because of their size. I mean, I would. Well, I mean, what was the was the mean path loss in those in those devices? I, I've got to imagine it's the spacing it's, between them's got to be really. It's pretty high, actually. They, the spacing yeah. has to be very small. Um, yeah, yeah, I that's mean, a, that's that's what I think. You, so you you would have to have thousands of them. Yes, they they can only be spaced like some like a few millimeters apart at the most. So. The thing about it is that, you know, this, this opens up the possibility of powering these things via RF harvesting mm. um, using um, like beam forming, for instance, to uh, direct T waves at somebody's body so that the, uh, these devices could harvest that and convert it to electricity and so on and so forth. When I uh, started my PhD, I was um, yeah, helping. I was cleaning the monkeys, basically. But even back then, they were working on wireless charging for DBS probes, right? Because the current sort of technology is there's, they'll put the device in you, et cetera, and you have to change the battery every three to five years. The idea was that you could have a sort of inductive type charging whilst you're sleeping. Yep. Um, well, nowadays, induction chargers for smartphones are pretty much ubiquitous. Everyone has like a little wireless charge pad, but, but those still require pretty much direct physical contact. Yeah. For, this, for this, we're talking about something where they might be able to take far field RF and convert it to electricity. Um, I maybe. mean, they, get, they got I mean, the batteries to charge in the monkey. I mean, it did, it did work, but then, you know, there was... Big uh, transducers exactly. <laughs> around, <laughs> just beam. I mean, the monkey was eating and uh, doing his normal things. 
it's it's pretty pretty low efficiency um and mm. that's been a problem for a long time yeah that that, um, was, that was the primary issue is just you know well okay you you lay down and you're gonna get some juice that way but you know was it enough and i i think the company went bust anyway that was was doing it i've seen so many startup companies fail bro at the monkey step. Yep. It's uh, it's hilarious, but yeah, I mean, um, this this was prior though to this sort of emergent yeah, nanotechnology, I guess, and you know, I guess graphene really did kick a lot of that off. Yeah, to a certain extent, it did. It's not the only material that they they use for these things. No. Um, for some of these nanoparticles, they they've used um, like iron-based nanoparticles. They've used uh, gold, silicon, mm. um, and I it's, mean, it's graphene that's really opened up the floodgates, though. And I, well, I know it's it, well being carbon. It's inert and biocompatible pretty mm -hmm. much well i mean sort of you know the thing is graphene can can be toxic by um uh, triggering oxidative stress yeah um so that's that's one thing and the thing is that's another thing is like when you look at some of these technologies that they are are pushing um with human augmentation and so on um like w how toxic are these things? Wow. I'm, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna guess that they're pretty toxic. A lot of it you don't know till you stick it in a <laughs> in an organism, right? And so exactly, um, you know, just all the stuff that's come out about um, lipid nanoparticles, and I want to I want to uh, shout out Christy Grace for all the work she's been doing because. You know, there's a yeah, there's a whole toxic field of pharmacology that's emerging because of these synthetic lipids, and I don't, I, I certainly don't think they're benign at the moment. I mean, for maybe, a while there, um, people were concerned that carbon nanotubes would behave like asbestos fibers mm. that they that they uh, persist in the body. They cause persistent chronic inflammation, stuff like that. Mm. We've tested that. Then they don't. They don't do that. Um, it's still kind of up in the air, actually, from what I've heard. Cause it, um, cause it, imagine breathing in a a big cloud of carbon nanofibers, and then you walk past. You get you get that Teslapheresis response. Right. Happen, right. That, <laughs> that's uh, that could. Um, that could give you a real bad day, right? And um, <laughs> I saw a paper that I mean, somebody shared this paper with me um, about using lipid nanoparticles as computers. Go on. Um, it's uh, let's see here. Um, a bunch of uh, the authors, a bunch of Korean guys. Um, Let's see. I, I just posted the link in the ch in the chat there. 
the abstract states, the lack of a scalable nanoparticle-based computing architecture severely limits the potential and, and use of nanoparticles for manipulating and processing information with molecular computing schemes. Inspired by the von Neumann architecture, VNA, in which multiple programs can be operated without restructuring the computer, we realized the nanoparticle-based VNA on a lipid chip for multiple executions of arbitrary molecular logic operations in the single chip without refabrication. In this system, nanoparticles on a lipid chip function as the hardware that, that features memory, processors, and output units, and DNA strands are used as the software to, to provide molecular instructions for the facile uh, programming of logic circuits. NVNA enables a group of nanoparticles to form a feed-forward neural network, a perceptron, which implements functionally complete Boolean logic operations and provides a programmable, resettable, scalable computing architecture and circuit board to form nanoparticle neural networks and make logical decisions. And then they have a bunch of figures that go into detail about how, you know, different uh, nanoparticles essentially individually behaved as Boolean logic gates. And... Uh, familiar with the article, but, but what's the processing speed that they think that? They um, it's molecular signaling, so they have to actually like physically come in contact with each other. Unlike, for instance, um, using conductive traces in a circuit. So it, it it's um, essentially it's it depends on the uh, the the chemical reactions between these particles. Yeah, but, um, but but the advantage here is is that essentially you wouldn't need power per se that exactly electronics would require. And dang, you could implement um, all the features of a computer system, but in in a molecular system instead of an electronic system. Essentially, is their whole the whole idea there. Um, this kind of imitates biological signaling. Um, it might use some of the same mechanisms, um, but I mean, some of these they they actually use like synthetic um, uh, ligand receptor interactions, stuff like that. But with this, um, I'm not exactly quite sure ex uh, how they're making them interact with each other. Um, this is. You look at the figure in there, and you see a bunch of uh, different nanoparticles with um, mm. little uh, squiggly I mean, lines coming off of them. The computation uh, seems to be in the minute range. And um, essentially, I'd have to go over this, this in more detail, because this, this is pretty advanced. Yeah, yeah. Computer science is a edifice that <laughs> I guess I'll take the uh, easy path around the. Basically, I mean, the gist of it is that they're using these nanoparticles to perform logic operations. So if you know how like a programmable logic controller works, um, like with uh, and NAND um, and so on, uh, gates and stuff like that, you know, um, or gates. Um, it's it's very similar to that, but it's it's being done essentially with chem with chemical reactions instead of with uh, electrical circuits. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's the Tesla quote. You you'll 
perspective to see horrors beyond right right um if you think about it uh biological systems actually work in some very similar ways to this you know essentially um you know, uh, the, uh, ligand and receptor interactions and signal transduction by, by proteins. Um, essentially, we're talking about um, like anisotropic, like chemical reactions occurring in a, in a, a medium, like in a in the extracellular space, in the intracellular space, and so on, in the cytosol, um, and essentially uh, a given quantity of signaling molecules are dispersed and then they make their way to you know their receptors and so on and so forth so here's this plasmonic phenomenon again i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to really delve into what that means so the thing about it is that like biological sim uh, systems are kind of like they have asynchronous operation so like like for for instance like with a computer um every single operation is is timed you know it's um every it has to arrive in a certain order right but with with biological systems it's not it's not like that it's more like the the relative rates of different re different reactions between proteins and their receptors so the the paper we were looking at previously the one with the, did, did we bring that up the terahertz signaling if they they want to implement so i'm, I'm um, trying i'm trying to think it's so this signaling through fat right right that's this um substrate layer for putting in these neuromorphic devices but the i'm trying to i'm trying to think where where would the methodological limitations be and you know, the, I, I, I guess I just don't know enough about this plasmonic phenomenon, right? So my right. understanding is is that it's like a sort of coherent light or, or scattering that comes off when you excite a plasmonic surface. That's that's how I understand it. Um, what it is actually is it's an electrical field that's confined to a metal dielectric interface. So if you like go on the, I hate using Wikipedia for stuff like this, but their article on this is actually pretty good. And uh, surface plasmon polaritons are fairly uh, fairly com complicated phenomenon, um, but they are really important in like quantum physics and uh, and nano nanotech mm. uh, because I mean. When it comes to like like quantum dots, um, you know they they've been trying to in intentionally uh, manipulate SPPs um, for their photonic properties. You see, this it and, it's, and if for it's invisible uh, light spectrum though. This is this is where I it, it basically enables for you to have sub wavelength optics you you can have a device that's that's smaller than the wavelength of, of light that it's trying to capture um it basically i mean you think about that i mean consider like the 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 actual like the actual frequency the actual width of like um like a millimeter wave uh yeah, like how, like, how a, you, you know, like a gigahertz 
target like individual nanoparticles, the external source? Um, that I mean, that's really, really tricky. Actually, localizing the energy like that mm. is very, very difficult. Um, it may be easier to localize the particles themselves in specific tissues and um, then hit them all at once. Mm. Yeah, so it's, but it's, at, the, it's... at the same time, it's, I mean, like, um, nanotransducers, for instance. Um, nanotra nanotransducers are not like, um, it's not like they have any, like, computational processes that they can do to filter out unwanted signals. So you, you can't, like, have nanotransducers in somebody's brain tissue and then, like, hit their entire brain at once with it with um rf or or ultrasound or whatever because that would basically just give them a seizure it would, yeah. it would trigger yeah it's it would like trigger all, all of or them. nothing right yes um so the nanotransducers that that darpa are after um uh through like the n3 program and all of that th their plan was to use a helmet um that that creates like very precisely localized electromagnetic fields yeah, we've um Essentially, this this <clears throat> all of the uh, the processing is done on the um, and the localization of the the energy is done by the helmet itself, and the nanoparticles themselves just act as transducers for those signals. Essentially, they sensitize the tissue to those signals. Um, and if you look at the way that like this paper describes how they work. Um, Really, these like nanotransducers, like um, the ones being developed for the Brainstorms program and and Moana and all of that, they're similar similar to chemogenetics approaches, optogenetics, magnetogenetics, and so on. Essentially, the goal is to be able to to reversibly like you know, open and close ion channels and change the membrane potential of the cell, thereby changing the action potential of, of a neuron. And they want to be able to get down to single neuron resolution with these things. I mean, that's my mind that's such a technical leap it's a tall order <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you know that um tap protein approach that lieber used i mean that kind of gets into that sort of resolution but you've still you, you've physically going into the brain and you've got a craniotomy still and well, in this case, um, actually, the thing about, about like DARPA's um, N3 program is they specifically wanted to avoid having to do a craniotomy, mm. unlike Neuralink, for instance. Um, they wanted something where they didn't have to implant electrodes, where basically it would have like an arbitrarily large number of possible channels because each individual particle can be thought of as its own channel. Mm. So, stuff like that. Um, and basically all the resolution of the system would come from lo localizing the wireless energy as it passes through the cranium, so. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder how close we are to the sort of scale of tagging on, you know, like a functional ion channel. They have actually, uh, like, like uh, Rice actually tested it in flies, and they, they already, um, like, put nanoparticles in... Um, in, in fly neurons and uh, and then hit them with an electromagnetic field and it made their wings kind of like flinch. Mm, yeah, the, the, so they've 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 
injected directly into the brain, if I remember that experiment correctly. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and you have to... Um, it's gene gene transfection-driven still. But there's... A, th I, I'm trying to think about how they would be trying to steer from a systemic... You know, you, you deliver via an IV shot and then you, you use some magnetic guidance to sort of localize exactly it into, uh... Uh, what they want is they want something that crosses the blood brain barrier and they want it to be like evenly distributed in the brain tissue yeah but it's uh, in my mind there's this issue of just getting it to stick for any right. any length of time beyond um i don't know and, you... and having having an even like isotropic uh, distribution of it and not having it like clump in certain places yeah, yeah. or or collect in, in in certain tissues more than others yeah you know it's um what they're asking for is it's a pretty tall order yeah and well like i say the I, i've said before that like neuroscience isn't what i started out or the field has changed so much that now it's literally just it's engineering rather than the you know what i was trained to do to sort of pharmacologically and anatomically dissect networks they've gone from observation to manipulation yeah yeah and you know that that teslapheresis phenomenon if there was a, if they if they could really guide that and see the, the problem I, the problem i would see physiologically is you you connect up a network like that with hyperconductive tubules and you, you would just prime it for seizure you need you need some positive and negative control in there to even get towards something functional right if, if um if they wanted to do it by remote using gsm networks then they would have to have some type of computational function on the the particles themselves mm. Yeah, um, it couldn't then, be. It couldn't be size, anything like the N three program. And the size would it would increase. Yep, they'd be they'd have to be much larger. So, like for instance, the um, uh, the magnetoelectric nanotransducers for the brainstormers program are like twenty nanometers. But then you look at at like um, nano FSM tiles that uh, Charles Lieber worked on. Those are huge by comparison. Like mm. we're getting up to like micrometers, I think. Yeah, yeah, and look, man, they sold the public a bucket of shit around him, and it's, <laughs> he was working on batteries. In... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> now you must think you've got cunt tattooed on your forehead. <laughs> yeah. Just... And he, he got a slap on the wrist as well, right? That was it. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's, um, <laughs> he was also engaging in tax evasion and, um, mm. a bunch of other things as well. So it's, yeah, pretty shocking. Yeah. And, you know, the, what, he was, he was that short of money at diddle his taxes or what? <laughs> was it just the nature? <laughs> is there some trait there that we should be, uh, I mean, he was literally like, you know, like receiving, like bags full full of cash from China, like off the books, kind of a deal. Yeah, well, hashtag they always come through, bro. Right, <laughs> right. 
you know, you've got groundbreaking technology. You're uh, you're pushing the envelope of uh, neuroscience, and uh, you find time in your day for a bit of tax diddling. <laughs> right. And then, of course, there's Eud Gazet and uh, his engineered amyloids. Oh, the amyloids, yeah, man. This one always just blows me away. I, I... The uh, self-assembling peptide semiconductors. Mm. <laughs> just bring up your article. Uh, I, I, uh... just put, I just put the link in the chat. Okay. Um, yeah, like I say, if, if you'd said to me three years ago, um, they they would be looking to engineer amyloids to make brain computer interfaces. I, I I would have I would have just laughed you out the room, and but no, here we are. Hey, <laughs> it's it's shocking when you think about you know the the, the inflammatory reactions and just the mm. how nasty amyloids can be. Um, in the t to have in the tissues, how they're thinking about, oh, we're going to take this thing that's that's pathogenic and use it um, to engineer um, in-body computers. Mm. And this, so the, yeah, it's the pi-pi interactions that are sort of allowing the superconductivity in. Yep. Mm. And not just that, but also utilizing the uh, the quantum and optical properties and electrical properties of these peptides. Um, I mean, it's Fuck really that it's noise, the whole, brother. It's the whole this, is, this is this is bananas, right? It's, I, uh, <laughs> it's some serious Frankenstein stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, perhaps if you were making some sort of synthetic organism right and you wanted right. some some means of control f fine granular control you, you would bootstrap in this type of technology but to i i, I don't oh, well, I, 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 but to seriously like contemplate using something like this as a biocompatible interface in like a human body yeah, I mean, I would, I would have shocking. to presume that the, you know, these, they are testing that rather than just saying, oh, yeah, we've got our new uh, super connectors. <laughs> We're unleashing them yeah. on the market. But, well, uh, think about, think about well, what it would be like if they took all of these different technologies and integrated them together. For instance, uh, self-assembling um, peptide semiconductors using amyloids um, and using using novel geometries of of these these structures, um, and then incorporating them with nanoparticles uh, like metallic nanoparticles, graphene nano ribbons, um, silicon nanowires, um, uh, core and shell nanoparticles like they're using for um, for the brainstorms program. Um, and then integrating that even further with things like artificial tissue scaffolds, um, artificial organelles, uh, synthetically designed proteins, maybe maybe doping these structures with um, designer proteins and then and then having cells express designer ligands that bind to those proteins and then I mean, assemble I, those structures like connects in the a body. Buzzkill, right? But I just see a HR Geiger 
Future for us. <laughs> yeah, I, I see something that looks a little bit like the thing. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right, the, the thing was the thing was very sort of visceral biology. I I always get the feeling from watching the aliens that there's some sort of semi synthetic organism, right? Yeah, well, that, that's like that. that's uh, the the last one that they made, right? That was how they were sort of. Filling in the backstory, kind of, sorta, yeah. Like they're basically they, right? They land like on that planet and everything. Right? There's no insects or wildlife, and there's just these synthetic kind of alien mutagen thing. Yeah, that's... yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a fucked up movie, man. After oh, after man. <laughs> after it's that that thing bites the head off one of them, and the the android is sort of communicating with it blowing up its nostrils right <laughs> oh man yeah that's uh i mean it, it it sort of slumped a little bit in the middle of the series but yeah that one that one actually wasn't bad i don't know yeah what's the name of the actor that does the android um which which one was it which i mean uh, are you talking about the old one now or the Prometheus covenant and, uh covenant Oh, uh, Fassbender? Fassbender, that's it. Yeah, man. He's creepy as fuck <laughs> in that movie. He's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is it the entry of the gods into, <laughs> into Hala? <Hala-Hala. laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... People slated the first one with that reboot, right? I didn't yeah, mind it. was kind of lame. I, I didn't mind it. There was the, the annoying part for me was the UK actor who was right. all tattooed up and was supposed to be there. Sort of, he just didn't come across as sort of credible in any way. Right. Um, that sort of spoiled it for me. And then I don't know. The weirdest of... part from and for me was where they all decided to freaking kamikaze that that alien ship with the Prometheus. Like right at the end, it's like. A spur of the moment thing. Let's just ram right into it. Oh right, what right. The ship is the taken hell? off, right, and they shoot the. What was uh? Oh, what's the black actor's name? It was in. Uh... Um, he's from the UK. He's the pilot of the ship. He was. He was in. Uh... Oh God, my memory's turned to uh, Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Yeah, that's that's the one, right. He was in Pacific Rim. Yeah, look, um, that's one of the kids' favourites. I have to sit through that again and again and again. I've been forced to learn to love that one. <laughs> but yeah, that you know, yeah. there's there's a there is a sort of I don't know prophetic and almost self fulfilling prophecy that could be unfolding in front of us and you know the alien franchise especially that last one with the you know, it being semi-synthetic and well they they, they don't, don't they basically say oh it's bioweapons right there's there's that clip where they drop all the the black goo onto all the um whatever the, whatever the, engi- the engineers or whatever yeah the engineers i don't know what you call them but 
um, yeah, they they just uh, rocked up on their planet and destroyed it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take that, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> David just pwning them at the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to watch that again after this. <laughs> I was... Uh... <laughs> And and the covenant was better than Prometheus, I thought. Uh yeah, actually, I'd I'd say that sure. right because it because it sent it centers around Fassbender and the two androids much more. Yeah, and, and they're just such um, uh, complex characters, right? Um, yeah, like the the psychosis it sort of touches on your theme. This, with this essay, right, is, is that there's this psychosis in the Mark One David, right, right, that that just leaned this into the obsession with creating a new, entirely new species, and wipe it, wiping out the humans. That's a, just mm. part of the creative process, bro. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the thing about it is. Um, really, if if these <laughs> um, private-public partnerships and stakeholders uh, get what they want, then they will have the ability to engineer organisms from scratch or to take existing um, bacteria, yeasts, parasites, and so on, and turn turn them into living like living nanomachines, kind of a thing. So, for instance, picture being able to take like E. coli bacteria and add um, uh, designer enzymes to it that it never had before, stuff like that. I mean, there there are p potential benevolent uses, like using them for recycling and digesting plastics and stuff like that. If you have the ability to design an enzyme that could break down like polymers and stuff, but yeah, at I, the mean, same look, time... I, I don't have problems generally. I don't want to be a luddite, right? Right. There, there, there's just this. At the same time, it's like there are so many risks with with synthetic biology, environmental risks. Mm. I mean, think about like lateral gene transfer and and uh, recombination and stuff like that. What if you ha end up having a species that integrates a synthetically designed gene that has c completely novel functions? not found in nature, and then it starts messing with the biosphere itself. Mm. Well, kind of like those plasmids they've just transferred into billions of people. Right? right. <laughs> Man. It's so... Well, well, there's it's... no way to know what the long-term consequences of that will be. Right, and, you know, I was having this conversation last night with just, um, you know, it, it might be a case if you've got kids, you're going to have to work really, really hard to make sure and match them up with someone who hasn't been exposed in this manner. And, you know, on top of that, we have this extra layer of complexity around the shedding issue, but then, you know, that's not plasmid. So maybe, maybe integration would be less of a risk. It's those plasmids, man. They, like they, they just get integrated and taken up like nobody's business. Yeah. I saw um, some papers recently that were very concerning. Um, oh, I don't know if I have the link for it right now, but um, 
it had to do with one of the, the same promoters that was being um, used for uh, the synthesis of the mRNA and the Pfizer vaccine. Um, let me see if I can find that article because it's really, this one's really odd. Well, it's, you know, my, my understanding with Moderna, Pfizer, that they had to go down that plasmid route. Right. Um, others less here, so. here it is, here it is. Uh, just, <laughs> I've got like hundreds of tabs open right now. Um, let me see. Synthetic logic circuits using RNA aptamer against T7 RNA polymerase. So it's actually they're using something that's an antagonist of it. Um, this is in the... A, uh, a journal of systems and synthetic biology and nanobiotech and, and so on. Um, the abstract reads, uh, recent advances in nucleic acids engineering introduced several RNA-based regulatory components for synthetic gene circuits, expanding the tool sets to engineer organisms. In this work, we designed gen genetic circuits implementing an RNA aptamer previously described to have the capability of binding to the T7 RNA polymerase and inhibiting its activity in vitro. We first demonstrated the utility of the RNA aptamer in combination with programmable synthetic transcription networks in vivo. Oh, excuse me, in vitro. As a, as a step to quickly assess the feasibility of aptamer functions in vivo, we tested the aptamer and its sequence variance in the cell-free expression system, verifying the aptamer functionality in the cell-free test bed. The expression of aptamer in E. coli demonstrated control over GFP expression driven by T7 RNA polymerase, indicating its ability to serve as building blocks for logic circuits and transcriptional cascades. This work elucidates the potential of T7 RNA polymerase aptamer as regulators for synthetic biological circuits and metabolic engineering. Hmm. So this is yet another thing where they're looking at, and then they have this this um, this figure, this diagram that looks exactly like a logic circuit. This is exa this is one other thing where they're looking at using molecular signaling, and features of like RNA polymerase inhibitors and stuff to to form essentially uh, molecular circuits. Yeah. So just. I'm trying to think where, where they would militarize this sort of technology. And I'm just wondering if it, you, you could build a, um, a, a controllable activate, say, say something like testosterone, for example, right? What, could, what if you could, what if you could build, um, a storage device inside someone's body that would allow them to, to store like strings of text data as dna and then and then essentially carry like a secret message on their person without having any obvious like physical like right. like notes or any paper any thumb drives anything like that and then they they go to um they, they get when they get back to langley they do a little blood draw on them and then do run pcr on it and there you have the the message mm. well all that next generation sequencing's fake and gay, apparently. So. Right, right. <laughs> Dang. It's um. This is uh. You know the the problem is, or well, not problem, but I'm just, you know, I, I it wasn't so long ago that I was just in an environment where you know I was ex exposed to this sort of stuff daily, right, and 
you know, the, the, I guess you could call it a form of siloing, but everything was all put in the context of health going to make you better. And like that, that was like the universal pass, right? To be, oh, <laughs> nothing seems to be off the table at the moment. Um, yeah. Um, well, you know, this is, this is this issue around, they don't need the monkeys or the test animals anymore. They want to, they want to put it in people. Right, and that—that's why we're seeing moves being made in that direction. Right? And I you know, man, that's a—that's a worrying, me. worrying direction or path to be walking down, man. Yep. It's um, yeah. It's it's really, and it's not just like what happens if they succeed. Like, what happens if these people fail? Right. right. So what if what if they try something like this, and then the the side effects or the toxicity or the long term um, genetic aberrations brought about by it um, lead to serious health issues or collapse the biosphere? Well, look, we've had in we've had in the past week, right? Because look, the fir the first operational step for this technology would be military applications, and so that means. Human beings are going to be prodded, poked, manipulated, and there's this. Well, what happened this week, as far as I understand it, the the VA is stopping the pensions, the means testing people's pensions and stuff after the after yeah. they've had to retire through um, ah, got your legs blown off. Um, we're going to come and means test you, right? And and this 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 to me is just well, okay. They're 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 scaling up human experimentation to this mass scale, right? And then right. who who looks after the wreckage of that? Because it, it, um... <laughs> if, if blown off limbs isn't enough to make sure you get your bit of. <laughs> UBI I guess is yourself. they plan on just tossing people aside and treating them like like disposable freaking Which they're already doing I guess it's just going to be orders of magnitude worse oh which again that's that's something you touched on in your in your essay right which is the the controlling class wants a well I was I was used to make a joke <laughs> it's a joke wasn't it? But I was to say I wanted a monkey with no legs, just one arm and a handle on the back, right? Right. So, so I could just <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that was just the I don't know. Well, these days they might actually seriously engineer one. Right, right, and th that's that's the <laughs> that's the territory on which we find ourselves treading. And like I say, they they don't care about the monkey now. They want you with no legs, one arm, and a handle on the back. What I find shocking about it is just the, the general lack of disgust that people have towards mm. this. Yeah, but it, it's because of this marketing that they've done, that everything is, oh, I think of your health benefits, right? Yeah. And, and it's, it's just a, 
it's a broad door through which they they drive everything. So it, it, take the last three years, you know, that they that was sold in at the public level of oh, you know, pandemic, pandemic preparedness, right? And they're still trying to do it. They are still doing it, as you said earlier. And um, Eco Health just getting new grants. Um, yeah, you know. EcoHealth and the three or four other companies that we know about, I bet there's thousands, thousands yeah. of these companies out there doing this, well, ethically dubious work. Yeah, it's, um, it's not just, I mean, it's not just one or two. It's, you have these, this entire uh, network of people who are involved in this sort of thing mm. and uh, private public partnerships and essentially, well, kind of like corporate fascism kind of a thing, you know, where they, they are, um, they're taking um, things that used to, used to be separate where there was a, a, like a delineation between the private sector and the public sector yeah. and they are blending them together. They're, they're blending and combining state power and corporate power. Yeah. Um, and everything now has a kind of a, uh, well, like actually, a, profit, actually, a profit motive behind it. Charles just popped in the chat. I was just, I was just thinking about him. Um, he, he said something that was pretty dark this week and yeah, Basic, basically, that doesn't have the motivation or the teeth to essentially tackle the corporate entities. I guess I think Charles said farmer, but the thing about it is that they they don't even really seem to factor human well being into the equation at all. It's all about keep, making their corporate partners happy, and um, what makes some, the corporate some partners human happy, bro. There's. Yeah, not well, yours. <laughs> that for for a select few, maybe. Hmm. But the thing about it is that, I mean, if if we really want to break this down, what this really constitutes is an extremely vicious class war masquerading as a culture war. Yeah. Yep. That I mean, <laughs> these people. I mean, someone in the in the comments said like. Um, in the uh, in the chat said like selling the tranny shit now, it's like that's that's obviously a distraction, right? Yeah. I mean, every everybody is like, and and I've mentioned this before. I've I brought I brought this up plenty of times about like environmental, social, and governance, and diversity, equity, and inclusion, and all that stuff. They want people focusing on that because if if people are focused on the culture war, if they're focused on, um. Uh, like um, gay rights, um, if they're focused on on fictional representation for minorities and other irrelevancies, um, then what then what are they not focused on? Right. The economy, workers' rights, human rights, um, foreign policy, things that actually matter. Yeah. So basically, the 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 people who are orchestrating this class war against us have spent the past decade and a half easily um, taking all of those those 
important pressing concerns and focus refocusing all of that energy into completely pointless mm. bullshit. Yeah. And th th like I say, it feels like they're making their, their move right now. Right. And that's, that's hostile and, um, disadvantageous to, to us. And, you know, the, this is the, this is where you get into this threat assessment territory and, you know, you don't have to convince me that these people are taking, you know, trying to take deadly pot shots at us. But the problem well, is taking pot shots. They well machine gunning <laughs> them. <laughs> World War One style. Uh, mowing they down. have lined people up in the trenches and they're just mowing them down with a belt-fed machine gun. By yeah, now. yeah. And we're well beyond pot shots. Yeah, pot shots was like was half a decade ago. Yeah, yeah. And so this, I don't know. Like I said, but part of my operational thinking is to you know you need to find the skilled individuals who, who who have the real world experience so you need you, you need to get good engineers you need to get scientists you need you know, especially important i think is um people with uh military experience yes um, and that just that just can work under pressure because the pressure right now is it ends stopping anytime we not, need not to decade. form our own we need to form our own counter elite against these people yeah and we need we need to network as much as we can with like-minded individuals because this is this is something where essentially we're part of a libertarian backlash against creeping disgusting authoritarianism mm. that is they're trying to implement an authoritarian managerialist technocratic program through advanced biotechnology um and we need to be the resistance against that yeah and i i, I would almost add that or well, i think a lot of libertarian thinking feeds this machine actually to some extent, yes, right. because because it it encourages people to be, you know, self reliant, bootstrapping, and so on and so forth. But really, what that does is that isolates people and makes them easier to pick off. And we we can't we can't afford to be you know off on our own little islands, so to speak. Mm. Everyone has to come together on this one. Yeah, it's no more uh, looking after yourself. You've got to think of the guys or girls standing either side of you right now and yeah it's it is war um well <laughs> all i hope dude is we manage to get a lid on it before it really it really spirals out of control and looking at the trajectory right now i mean it's, it's that that helps them right you know you smash the old system they can come in with their new amyloid, amyloid brain interfaces. Right. And uh, it's, it's for the good of the... Well, you, you look at uh, Ian uh, Akildiz's um, papers and stuff, 
Um, he lays it all out. Uh, Internet of Space things, CubeSats, similar to like uh, to Starlink. Excuse me. Um, am ambient backscatter communications, cell-free massive MIMO, and then having it all interact with smart dust, essentially. Mm. Um, this is something that where, really, if we stop and think about it, there's so many potential applications here. It's not just just mind control. That's mm. that's just the that's just the beginning. Um, it's also things like uh, mapping and inventorying everything. Um, which I mean, if you have like a technocratic system. The thing that people don't realize about techn much. about technocracy um, is they they think oh, you know it's just this fanciful system with rule by experts, um, but that's that's not ex exactly what it is. Um, it, we, I mean the easiest shortcut I guess you you could you could use I mean you could say that it's kind of sort of like socialism kind of sort of, mm -hmm. but not really because at the same time. It's also like, you know, like logical positivists of the Vienna Circle and so on and so forth. Like mm. back back like 100 years ago, you had guys who were saying, you know, what if we abolished currency and what if we used calculation in kind instead? Things things like that. Mm. Um, and I, I, I te just... technocracy to some ex I mean, to some extent is uh, all about that that sort of like you know like Thorstein Veblen um and Otto Neurath and so on where essentially where people where a bunch of philosophers and, and economists who are like who consider themselves to be like post-Marxists and so on in like the early 20th century um they were going on about how you know how humans are irrational about how we we value things just because we value them and it's kind of t like tautological kind of a mm -hmm. thing so it would be it would be better if we accounted for resources directly you know like like it, the best way to to figure out how many how much food to give someone is to look at how many calories their body actually consumes kind of a thing like actually using kind of di direct metrics for every single thing instead of um what people do today which is you know eating when they're hungry right it's like basically our our entire value system is based on on human desires um our our economies assume essentially that human desires are a black box that we shouldn't look into them right um all that really matters is supply and demand um the the flow of of cash um as well as the ability of the of the markets to satisfy the the uh, demand for various uh, commodities, and and you, the I just pulled up your essay, and there's that Matthew Lau. How long? How long is that clip? But like, but but they're literally he's literally describing the the modifications or the monkey analogy yes. that I made for it. Yeah. <laughs> they just want to they want to <laughs> turn you. Uh, to thirty percent your size and uh, be able to live off <laughs> matrix crawl. Technocracy is basically um, takes all of that, um, essentially like individual, like value and demand driven economics, and turns it on its head. Basically, now you have these experts who prescri prescribe um, rations for people, yeah. essentially. 
yeah, uh, instead, of having, instead of having free markets. Mm. Um, essentially, it's like central planning, mm. uh, like socialist central planning, but, far, but their whole idea behind it is that it's far more granular and that instead of having... Oh, it's far having... better this time because it's corporations doing it. Well, it's no, far... it's far better. Th their idea is that it's far better this time because it's computers doing right, it. Right, it's the, it's the corporations' computers that are controlling everything. Just surrender all your autonomy. Come on. It's... Um... But the whole idea is, you know, we can, we can, the, the idea is we can make communism work this time if we blend it with capitalism and use computers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking assholes. Exactly. <laughs> fucking assholes. As they, as they literally, as they literally centrally plan your little pod, your little kill box pod. <laughs> well, the ruling class, the overclass right now, uh, believe that the middle class have too much wealth. They think that we consume too many resources that we're wasteful, that we're useless eaters, and so mm. on. And they just want to eliminate the middle class at all costs. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It, they want it to be a two-caste system where you have maybe a few million people on this planet who, who live in these gigantic palatial mansions and, and go around in yachts and private jets. And then you have like maybe 500 million serfs. Who live in smart cities, um, confined to small zones with curfews. Yeah. In big concrete prefab commie blocks, eating yeah. cricket paste. And look, man, if, if any of your friends and acquaintances, etc., are not freaked out by 15-minute cities, <laughs> right, there, there, there's something wrong. Right, these, these people have... Lost I used to get in arguments with people um, about a decade ago where I'd play devil's advocate and I'd, I'd say, what, what can we do to um, to make cities more efficient and to to um, to try and reduce like resource waste and stuff like that? You know, like and one one thing that I, I did was I essentially I, I came up with a plan and that plan very, very closely resembled what we see today with like the 15 minute cities and the telecommuting and all that crap. It was it was dystopian. It was a complete and total nightmare. Um, <laughs> I, um, I said, what I said was, oh, let's let's put all the services, everything that people need within walking distance and then get rid of cars and make people just kind of sit at home with like VR goggles when they, and telecommute when they want to go to work. Yeah. Um, and what if we had uh, and basically if we do that then we don't need any of the services that, that people need like on the way to their workplace because we've eliminated the office. Mm -hmm. So basically instead of having like a paperless office, we have like a, a city without offices. So then that frees up like, like space for, for a residential. So now you can, you can eliminate all that commercial space, all that office space, and now just have great big apartments where people never, never go out and just wear, sit, sit in their room wearing VR goggles. Oh, God. And, and then they, and then they're in their office. I just, um, have you seen the, oh, what's it called? Judge Dredd remake with the guy who plays Spock. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the the great big, uh, yeah. mega blocks and yeah. <laughs> peach trees and. Yeah, that's right. Peach trees. <laughs> oh man. I've got to watch that movie again. That was good. Yeah, that was, that, I was surprised by that one, actually, because, well, I've never really been into Judge Dredd or anything, but the Sylvester Stallone one was a bit cheesy. 2000 AD, I mean, the comics and stuff are awesome. 
Those yeah, I mean, British, I've read those them. British just, comics are great. Just, just didn't, didn't fully. I, I know people that just dived headfirst into that shit. Uh, I was more, a, I was more an Aliens, right? Predator, like they, they used to be illustrated comic series for those. And, oh, like AVP. Yeah, yeah, that was more. That's my pretty thing. good. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know what? I, I, I did watch the other day. Um, the. I don't know, 2000, I want to say it was six or seven. Alien versus Predator. Actually, I was like, dang, it was pretty good, pretty based for, uh, it hadn't, it hadn't got, uh, woke washed, I guess. Right, it, just, right. it just sort of stuck out. I was like, oh, dang, they did make good movies. And, and you know, it wasn't a spectacular movie or anything, but it was just, oh, it, was, it wasn't offending my, uh, ethical, moral sensibilities like most so... things do these days. The thing was, is that this was like actually back in 2013, 2014, where I was, I was suggesting these sorts of things and in some arguments I got into with my friends and and people said, that sounds like a horrible idea. This sounds like you're you're warehousing humanity. And, mm -hmm. I, and then that, that kind of stuck. And I thought that that's a, that's actually pretty good. Warehousing humanity. That's that's exactly what they're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and the funny thing is, is that well, actually not too funny because we're living through it. Uh, but like a decade later, they're actually trying to do this crazy shit. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, I look at a lot of these people. Look at the people on the screen right now. That Lau, I don't know, is that that silly cow who's saying they own the science? Oh, no, that's the brain transparency, bitch. Um, the, uh, these people look half my age and children to me. Right. Yeah. What the, what the fuck are they doing making sweeping have, have you ever seen the Plandopolis animation from like no. 11 years ago no. <laughs> I just put it in the chat this is this is what they're I, I, have you, you've probably seen this one before um, Plandopolis maybe rings a bell uh, try playing, playing this one for the, the people in the chat this one's this is wild Oh, yes, I do. I do know this one. I'll, I'll let it play. Um, I'm just going to hit the bathroom real quick. Glad you're on time. I'm V. I'm looking forward yeah, to showing you around Plandopolis today. And my husband works from home. He's a virtual engineer working in one of the city's desalination plants. He controls the robots who do all the important maintenance. I think he basically plays computer games for a living. <laughs> Are you ready to go? 
Have you got your calorie card open on your smartphone? I registered your visit with Slick Travel Corp the other day, so they've uh, allotted you a journey time to, to match mine. It makes so much sense, doesn't it? Switch off brain and go to work. <laughs> with this many people around, I'm glad there's a mega computer in charge. We're so lucky. Uh, our kids were allocated a school quite near my practice so I can drop them off on the way. It saves on our calorie ration. Well, it won't be long until the little darlings get their career announcements. They've been working so you know, hard, really so I'm sure they'll get something good. N not that there's anything wrong with fixing carbon scrubbers for a living or anything. Oh, Are you hungry? Let's pop to the market as we're passing. It's not in the Wayback Machine either. Right. What's um, on the menu it's really this month? Me how they, no, not meat. It's not your birthday. Internet archive. The Global it's, Food Council you know, are doing a really good job of keeping food production going. They, they really I mean, you don't get the choice you used to, but we're like better that. off than most. He's making so much. It's probably easiest to walk for, for people for free. And. Uh, um, Sorry, dude. I can I can hear you. That movie was playing. So if you were <laughs> talking through, uh, oh, um, through that, like, uh, have you noticed how they've been trying to go after the Internet Archive and Brewster Kale lately? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look at at um, all the the information they make available for free, and not just like you know copyrighted books but also just the public domain stuff and the stuff that that pretty much nobody else has on archive um not to mention all the, the footage out of wuhan back in right. 2020 right it's like there is so much stuff that is being memory hold right now right in front of me yep um and it's it's pathetic because this is this is stuff that that really there should be documentaries on God, already. It, it, that should scare the shit out of everyone, right? Yeah. That on top. That on top of the TikTok thing, right? That that's that's your full on totalitarian move, right? With with, with built in memory holding. <laughs> it just we're rushing headfirst in, and like I said, it, there's seems fair accompli somewhat, and I guess what we have to do, like you're saying, is make make the networks. Such that the, there's the skills to to help people navigate at the moment. Um, you know, this is something Mary, virologist Mary, tries tries to make a point of. Right, you're you're on your own. Ain't no cavalry coming. <laughs> only on the end, right. on the end of the telephone or uh, an internet connection, and then, even then, that might go. Right. I don't know. Could could they pull that? Pull down the internet? I mean, they're 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 hyper restricting it. I mean, it's that that much is obvious. Oh, well, they're trying to. I mean, like so that in that TikTok thing, right? Well, we on it earlier, but you know, designating anyone an adversary, right? right? Without without the need to inform the president, um, no foyer. No, no recourse at all. <laughs> the the kick in the balls, on, even after that, is that a corp? It'll be Palantir and corporations like that running it all. There, there, there right. will be no, no recourse or remediation to you. Yeah, 
so it's like this was actually a decade ago where they were talking about things like rationing food um like shutting off people's ability to to um uh to charge their card um if it uh if it went over like a car a carbon quota mm. so basically i mean th this is something where they already had like essentially technocratic goals in mind like well over a decade ago to meet you know like climate change and sustainability initiatives and so on like the un 2030 sustainable development goals and all that stuff and it's it's just a it's a crock of shit really if we stop and think i mean would these people be buying all this this beachfront property if they thought the sea levels were going to rise right no right. no they wouldn't um it, they're coming they're coming up with the reason why they're promoting this climate change stuff so much is because they want degrowth and the reason why they want degrowth is because they want to snatch up as much of uh, as much cheap land as they possibly yeah. can and um establish themselves as a permanent rentier caste yeah and they 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 want to deprive people of wealth and property, essentially. And our, our prosperity comes from, from industry, essentially, the prosperity of the middle class. Yeah. Um, and without which we would have nothing. Um, well, the, the other really disturbing aspect, you know, the material is bad enough, but the problem is we've sent a whole generation insane, right? Well, not a whole, but... You know, you see the climate activist I don't know, archetype. That's that's right. out there more and more and more, right? It's not. Um, oh, the environmentalist types. The yeah, yeah. Like extinction rebellion and all that. People um, laying down in front of of uh, cars it's, it's, and it's, it's even slashing the tires on SUVs, stuff like that. More banal than that. So there was, you know, some footage out of. 15 minute city oxford as it goes but there's some woman trying to get to work and she's rolling up to these where they've narrowed the road and it's just some busybody types with green high-vis jackets on just <laughs> stopping the traffic right yeah and you know they've probably been given some semi-official well i don't know paid by the hour shitty job <laughs> by some fucking city council and there they are implementing this well again everything everything's an assault on onto the individual in this case and the, the... someone mentioned in the in the comments here uh capex for traditional fossil fuel energy production is quite concerning we will have practically no energy in a few years um that is uh, a matter that. of um, the thing is, is that they're, they're claiming that, you know, that we're running out of fossil fuels, right? But, you know, it's like, what are our actual reserves? And, I mean, what do we have in terms of, like, shale oil? And what can we do with fracking kind of a deal, you know? Oh, there's there's but, all the just liquid natural gas off so but, many. I, nearly all the continental shelves are filled with. They Massive. they want to they want to to switch us over from uh from coal natural gas and 
and and petroleum uh, to, to being essentially just straight renewables, like wind and solar only. And I don't see that being feasible for a number of reasons. Not to batteries um, improve. There, it's not just the lack of, of batteries. It's not just the lack of um, like storage capacity to act as a buffer to deal with um, times of low generation output and stuff like that. So um, the, the main problem is that all of the resources that go into the manufacture of photovoltaic panels, wind turbines, and so on, uh, essentially come from <laughs> uh, heavy machinery running diesel oil. <laughs> yeah. Lots yeah. and lots of it. And you, you have to excavate literally hundreds of thousands of pounds of material. It's all right. We've got those little black kids to do it in Africa. R right. <laughs> with their bare hands. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, have you seen that meme? Like, uh, getting getting that that uh, cobalt as fast as I can for you, Greta. Right, right, right. <laughs> Man, I saw one this week where literally a whole bunch just got buried under. Uh, yeah. Did you see that? They were trying to dig them out. There was like three or four in there. Right, um, I saw that. Yeah. Dang. Um. Yeah, there's a. Is that the price we're paying? Right. You know, I I remember when. Uh, Fossil fuels were abundant and uh, petrol was cheap. You could feel, you know, it was a nice world. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that if the ruling class believe that there really is going to be a catastrophic resource crisis in a few years, um, then the logical move for them to play is to kill off as many people as they possibly can. Yeah. Yeah, because because that way they don't have to worry about riots and looting from one end of their countries to the other. Mm, yeah, and that, it's just club of Rome. Uh, well, it's it's limits to growth in a nutshell. Mm. It's I the thing is is that I mean this is really surreal for me because I um, tried warning people about this stuff well over a decade ago. And people just didn't want to hear it. They were like, oh, no, it's fine. They, they kind of like adopted kind of the productivist mantra. You know, we'll just we'll just keep having more and more GDP growth and everything will be fine. Mm. But it seems like the people in control of these systems don't want that. They don't mm. want there to be endless growth. They want to, to reverse it and they want to kind of, you know, uh, allow some areas that are presently developed to return to wilderness. Mm. And that and that inevitably means killing people. I mean, one way or another, people are going to starve if they well, do this. Well, this, this is the thing, dude. If if they've, like I say, it's fait complete and getting into the germline that plasmid at such a mass scale. Maybe, like I say, maybe it's a, this is it now. Like the birth. The drops in birth that we're going to see is just going to continue on its current trajectory, and that that's it. The reason why they're doing this with with such uh, secrecy, this kind of depopulation stuff, is because they know that it it would make people angry if they were transparent about it. Mm. Yeah, um, they just want to be able to do it unilaterally without resistance and without anyone understanding what they're doing. Yeah, it's the tricking of consent. It's how they always get you. Right. And, and it's it's not just I mean it's not just that it's like 
you know, uh, the, pretty much the number one human imperative is to prosper and reproduce. It's it's like you can't just tell people stop having kids. Um, and if you did tell people to stop having kids, then you'd have a population that would rapidly start aging out, like Japan. Mm. So and, and the thing the thing is right. It wasn't the ruling class are in a bind. They want to have a young, fresh worker meet who are not close to retirement. And who are, I mean, who are useful to man the factories and and provide all the various different services. They don't want there to be a bunch of old pensioners hanging around. Um, what they want, essentially, is they, they want, how do I put this? Um, they want a sort of a humanoid bio-robot that just conveniently expires right before retirement age that that works and pays taxes right up until they're about 60 and then just bumps off right before they they, they go to collect such and reductionists <laughs> but at the at the same time they also believe that we're overpopulated mm. so they're caught in a bind where they don't want people to breed but then at the same time they also want them to breed very rapidly Wow. So what? So what? So what do they do? What? What is? How do they? They get what they want. Reduce the life expectancy of human beings. Well, That's the I, only way to get what they want. But I think I think part of it as well, particularly from a European perspective, has been that they can track or, or exchange the working force for third world migration. Yes. Right, and it's. Again, it's the selling of, I don't know what's what's the real cost there, um, but they don't they don't want old, happy, comfortable people, right? Um, because they, there's no tax base then. Mm. They they want young, fresh meat. Mm. Yeah, they want to cull as many old people as they possibly can. Look look at at, at the mortality rate of COVID nineteen. Um, and in, in different populations, in different age groups, it, it's negligible for children, yeah. but for, for, for people who are like 60, 70 up, I mean, the mortality rate is much higher. Yeah. It's, and it's, been it's something sustained for a couple of years now. And they intentionally targeted people in nursing homes. Yep. They they not only do they they um, put COVID positive patients in nursing homes and in, infect thousands and kill thousands with nosocomial infections, they also um, dosed hundreds thousands of elderly in the UK with midazolam yeah. um, in 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 the guise of palliative care until they expired. Yeah, and. You know, this, like, in combination with... Uh... Canada have loosened restrictions on medical assistance in dying. I, I know. <laughs> Basically, all, what this is about is, again, all these countries are on the verge of sovereign debt default. They can no longer finance any of their social programs or social security or pensions or anything. So they just want to, to kill off as many... Um, and gender, gender warped the young so they don't reproduce. Uh, yes, as many elderly and infirm as they possibly can, while also promoting, essentially, um, alternative sexualities 
um, just to um, try and restrict population growth as much as they can. And look, man, again, it's, it's this isn't a blip in that data, and it's been sustained now for quite some time. This this drop in births, I want to say, it was planned for like fifty plus years. Every yeah. part of it. Yeah. Look at, uh, like, for instance, um, there's there's the limits to growth report. There's the the new order of barbarians transcript. There's um, John Coleman's um, the conspirators hierarchy, mm. and so on and so forth. And basically, what the ruling class want is they want for there to be, you know, like less than half a billion um, serfs on this planet and a, t a teeny tiny elite who own all the property and rent it out to the serfs for them to live. You know what was, uh, maybe that ending was a bit cheesy, but had a good sort of vibe to that type of world they're heading. It's a movie called Elysium in that one. Oh, right, right. Right, oh, it's it's exactly like that. Yeah. <laughs> Activate Kruger. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, you know, he's just at the beginning where he's just getting uh, harassed by Robocop. <laughs> oh, right. Because <laughs> yeah, he says a snarky remark. <laughs> and, yeah, it's that. Uh... Wow, look. Those Boston Dynamic robots. And how how far away are they from? Again, I suppose it's power, but um, rotating four-hour shifts of those things, patrolling the streets. Right. Oof. <laughs> OCP's urban pacification model. Ed two o nine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, even, like I said, that, that movie, we've blown past Robocop, right? Just in terms of the cultural depravity and decay. Yeah. Now we're into, uh, well, yeah, Elysium. That was another good one. Oh, the one where yeah. uh, South African movie. This guy, the guy turns into like the alien. There's a big alien ship that just oh, dis District Nine. This is District, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say District Thirteen, but um, yeah, that's uh, those are good movies, folks. If you if you want to get a glimpse of your future, you're mixing it up with Ben Leo Thirteen. There was this this other movie that that um, had this great big long parkour scene in it that was pretty badass. What was it called? Uh, District 13, Banlieu 13. I guess I, say, I remember the uh, South African alien one. He's eating cat food. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and he's got the, the exoskeleton at the end there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I've got a whole bunch of movies I've got to watch this weekend. Thank you. Ain't going to have time for anything else. Um, is there is there anything we didn't cover 
in the article that I mean people people obviously please people are asking for a site for uh, Spartacus here's his Substack um, please go uh, go support oh god damn you this this uh, is it, yeah is there anything else that you wanted to um, touch on from this um the thing about the um like intrabody nano networks the internet of bodies the internet of bio nano things all, whatever they, they're calling it basically um they have all these different acronyms for it because they can't even really decide what they want to call it mm. it's it's so new that 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 there are a bunch of different researchers that came up with their own, that each individually came up with their own acronym for it you know <laughs> but it's all essentially the same thing let's just for the sake of convenience let's just call it the internet the internet of bodies it's an extension of the internet of things you know um are you already and, giving it data lick spittles or do you walk uh, around with your exactly. phones and your smartwatches feeding um, it iot uh for years and years you know when I, this is like like over a decade ago, when I when I first heard of of IoT, the Internet of Things, my first impression was, you know, this is a solution in search of a problem. This, the, I mean, they're trying to market something new to us that that we never really needed before. That's just complete hokum. Mm. Um, and it, when you um, when you look back on the history of like IoT, it's like, oh, it's great, it's wonderful. We'll, um, you'll have a a flower pot that that has an Arduino in it and plays you a song when you walk into the room. It has a motion sensor. It's like, God damn it, I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. It's just bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Fridge, and... Fridges watching what you eat. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Oi, fat knacker. And... <laughs> What they were trying to do, <laughs> yeah. No, no what ice were, cream for you. It's locked. What they were trying to do essentially was kind of slip technocracy in through the back door. Yeah. Uh, by having a mechanism already built into the infrastructure for monitoring and control on a granular scale, having like smart dust interface with GSM networks, having um, smart device smart devices. Um, having things be internet enabled that don't actually need to be internet enabled, you know, stuff like that. And, um, you know, it thought just occurred to me that depending on the scale you were looking at, right, you know, people have a hard time conceptualizing something like smart dust. But if you're looking down at this emergent entity that's coming from these technologies, once you zoom out far enough to see the networks and stuff basically all these smart things objects are dust right pretty much um the thing is is that smart dust um has advanced substantially in over the past couple decades it started off like being something kind of like almost at the macro scale where you could see it like on the tip of someone's finger like mm. basically like so we're talking about something that's like like a tenth of a millimeter across and that that contains like a like a microchip and it has like like wireless uh capabilities and this was like a couple decades ago actually that they had that scale of smart dust now now they're down to the the scale where it's it's microscopic where you need like a, like scanning electron microscopes 
um, to be, to be able to even see it. Mm. And it has it's complete with circuitry and everything. So, and the thing is, so like uh, take the, the planks um, plank scale edge computing. Yeah, take uh, like CNBC for for instance. When I originally posted the Spartacus letter, um, like a couple days after it went viral on Zero Hedge, um, CNBC came out with this video that, that was all like, "There's no way you can fit a microchip inside a vaccine." And right, right. that's when I instantly thought, oh, my God, because, you know, the, these technologies I was looking at in uh, with with this smart dust and whatnot, um, they they had already scaled it down to literally like nanometer scale. Mm. It, it was something where. <laughs> um, uh, honestly, you could fit like thousands of these side by side across the inside diameter of a vaccine needle yeah that's how small they are and they were essentially insinuating that you'd have to have something that's like a macro scale like rfid chip that's like the size of a grain of rice and there's no way that could fit fit in there well, um, apparently you got fact checked bro that was yeah I, I did yes um, that was that level of technology was available in the late 90s. They had RFID chips the size of like a grain of rice or whatever that you could implant under your yeah, skin. Yeah. I mean, they were putting it in pets so, for years and years, right? Some people still still get that. Mm. Um, so there are microchips some, in the vaccine. No, I don't. I don't think no, so. In this, no, not this not necessarily. Not mm. necessarily. Mm. I don't. I don't think they did. Um, the the. I don't think that they they I don't think it's ready yet is the thing. Yeah. When when I look at the state of these technologies that they're describing here, it's something that where it's it might be available in some in some form in maybe about 5 years at at the at, at the earliest. Mm. 5 to 10. So so yeah, for quite listening right now, of, yes, there is this nano engineering stuff going on that the critical step to be taken is what Spartacus has written about in this essay and discussed, which is being able to get interconnectivity. So that I, I really suggest reading the article and this plasmonic resonance. And, and I don't think, ah, well, you know, anything's possible, I guess. Uh, but the, the important thing that I think is, I mean, it's, People are, are like saying, oh, we can just analyze the contents of the vaccine and we can see that it has, you know, some kind of strange like nanoparticles in it or something. That's not that's not very that's not easy at all to be able to, to look at something like that and do um, uh, spectroscopy and, and transmission electron microscopy and such and actually look at particles and try and say definitively, that's a that's a microchip. Ooh, I mean, you could just be looking at a crystal. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah. and but the thing is, is that uh, at the same time, we're also seeing a lot of of uh, research in this field that's actually being published openly, mm-hmm. and not not some, not something where um, it's it's confidential or classified or like top secret military stuff, but but actually available in open access journals. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, the thing is, is that people are kind of working 
like they're doing the like they're, they're putting the cart before the horse essentially mm-hmm. they are they're looking at like the vaccine vials is something i mean and their contents is as intrinsically suspicious um and st- instead of looking at the the reams of research that are that are being uh, that's, that's actually being published on the internet of bodies the internet of bio nano things and so on and so forth it's like it, it's it's huge it's i mean there are there are dozens of these papers i think the thing is hundreds if they if they get it right i mean they 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 might just get people to want it like an like an iphone oh i've got to get that um that's probably what they're going to do they're probably going to try um the carrot instead of the stick kind of approach they're probably going to make it sound like it's it's a convenience you know, you can have this digital ID that's that's implantable, and now you don't have to carry a wallet around. Uh, we were, kind what, of a thing. What was that clip we were watching where there was that? This was like IBM or something, or maybe DARPA. But she was she was like, you, "I can open my doors." Uh, and uh, uh, Regina Dugan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she now she works at at Welcome uh, Welcome Leap. Welcome Leap. <laughs> under uh, Jeremy Ferrar's Welcome Trust, along alongside. Uh, Kaigam Gabriel, um, you know, Ken Gabriel, um, who canceled Todd Ryder's Draco grants when he worked at Draper. Mm. (laughs) Um, I've had, I've got requests, um, for you, Sparkus. So, uh, Tishpipe would like to ask you a question, would like to come on for a few minutes. Are you okay with that? Sure. Oh, I don't know. I might have lost both of them right Hello? now. Oh, yeah. Are you, are you... Hey, how's it going? It's it's working. Okay. We can, your speaker is coming through, Paul, so you need to get headphones. Your speaker. Um, so, uh, Tish White, Paul is the one who in teaching me about Gnosticism and um, yeah it's an it's an area I don't know much about to be perfectly frank and he's <laughs> he's he's got a lifetime of dedicated study under his belt and um, you know and, and in the threat assessment I think you have to um, gotta look at all angles and the metaphysical and the well the drive the motor force the motivators behind some yes. of the programs we're seeing the thing about it is that some of this transhumanist stuff kind of kind of verges on well on the occult for yeah. instance on, on transcendence and spirituality and so on and so forth there's, um and there's there's an element of that that that's central to it i think because and I think part of it is because if we think about what they're trying to accomplish, um, surpassing human limitations and, um, and, and uh, sensory abilities and, and so on and so forth. Um, I mean, we're, we're talking about something where um, 
people will be able to, to, to see in wavelengths of light that they've never been able to see before. Uh, they'll be able to hear uh, frequencies of sound they've never been able to hear before. Um, by expanding the limits of human perception, essentially you're expanding the limits of human experience. So. Ah. Paul, how are you, sir? We can see you. Your mic says it's on all the time and we, ca we can't hear you. Your mic is off. Your mic's off. But, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just wondering, you know, the, so if you augmented senses, right? So you, you start seeing in infrared example. Right. Um, I, I just wonder what the concomitant changes you would need at, at the cortical level the increased bandwidth right because right? it may it, it may just be that the the perceptual networks would still just filter out that information possibly mm. someone in the in the uh, in the comments asked is adrenochrome true <laughs> yes um kind of adrenochrome is oxidized adrenaline you can actually produce it synthetically um it's i mean i don't really see any point in like harvesting it from from someone's body um really uh, i mean you, that's because you're not a degenerate right. psychopath who wants to chew down on the uh freshly roasted kidneys and livers of newborns um it's not it's not adrenochrome it's blood that's that's the that's the deal it's um adrenalized blood and the, you see blood actually has a lot of different components to it it's not just oxidized adrenaline it's a bunch of different things mm -hmm. i mean it's it's come up a few times this adrenochrome the last few weeks and again i i refer people to the early work in hallucinogens and what they were working towards or, or the theories they had around schizophrenia and one one of them was that it was caused by uh, adrenochrome right? a metabolite of adrenaline and it was causing people to have psychotic breaks and i did it didn't didn't really define the condition totally but it, it shaped a lot of early neuroscience thinking like psychiatric right. thinking um i don't know what's happened to paul yeah what's what's going on paul we can't hear you your mic's bust <laughs> go get your telephone <laughs> call in <laughs> tech issues bro the um uh, the, the bigger question rather than adrenochrome is are, are there networks of these psychopaths out there how many are there i guess <laughs> we know they're out there just how many thousands <laughs> thousands um human trafficking organ trafficking drug trafficking arms trafficking every kind of contraband imaginable yeah um and these are very very well established organized crime networks that are that have captured governments 
And this this is the thing about this that people don't quite grasp just yet is they they still look at their governments as though they are they are, are legitimate authority figures that you know that they there's no there's no way they could be responsible for this kind of thing you know mm-hmm. but on the flip side if you actually look at like the history of the CIA it's like tons of drug running mm-hmm. and and gun running and so on and so forth literally pretty much every intelligence agency on the surface of this planet engages in thousands of serious crimes every year mm. this is this is not i mean it's not an exaggeration every single one of them is engaging in criminal activity organized intentional criminal activity uh, now, um, now they're just making it a whole bunch of it legal <laughs> they go to disaster zones they harvest organs um they harvest organs from uh, refugees from uh, trafficked people, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. They, they press people into, into slavery, forced labor, sexual slavery. Um, they, they use trafficked arms to, uh, to arm chosen cr- um, criminal groups under their command, uh, car- uh, certain drug cartels, and so on and so forth, um, to be able to play them against each other. They, they also... Um, use their control of the of drug markets to try and manipulate the supply to try and make sure that you know that that it isn't too overabundant, which would lower the price. Mm. Because they use drug money to finance a, a great deal of their operations. Yeah, yeah. Well, we funnily enough, we even had Ollie North a few months back, right? Cheerleading on the current wars. Did you see that? People, people need to read up on the, on the Phoenix program. They need to read about uh, Operation Gladio, and they need to read about the, the Iran-Contras freaking scheme. Yeah. And they need to read about Gary Webb, and they also need to read about Danny Casalaro. And they also need to read uh, Whitney Webb's expose on, on Jeffrey Epstein's network, because that, if enough people did that, then they would realize that our governments have been captured by organized crime. Yep. Yep. It's that simple. It's, um, it is, it really is that simple. And once you, once people realize that governments have been captured by organized crime, that really, that, ex, that explains pretty much everything else that we're seeing up to and including, um, mass democide with toxic injectables. And again, this is this is part of this asymmetric war that's focused on the U.S. right now. Um, Mark Changizi, Ch- uh, Mark Changizi is all all like, um, oh, that you know, um, we don't ha- have to necessarily assume that there's evil intent behind all of this. Um, most of the people who are doing this don't Hello? wake up, don't like oh. wake up in the morning. And... Hello. Oh, hey, hey, how's it going? We can hear you. Can actually hear me now? Yeah, it's yes. a bit loud. Oh, I don't know. It's a, um... yeah, just hold the mic away from you. Are you using a phone or something? No, I'm just using my, my mic, inbuilt mic on my computer at the moment. Put the computer away from you. Okay. Is that better? A little bit more. Okay. Is that better? Nice. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. 
um, fire away, Paul. Yeah, my question was about the... Um, I think uh, we're ignoring uh, a big part of the picture, which is that there's going to be incoming natural changes. And I think the people in charge know that we're, co we're going into a period of huge natural change. Uh, and I'm not talking about man-made climate change because that's a scam. Um, but they know that we are going through a period of huge change, which will uh, force uh, mass immigration, food shortages, uh, and the fall of every empire in history has always come at the end of, a, of such a period. And you can so, go so back just, and look just at just help clarify here you're to, you're basically talking about solar cycles and space yeah, weather solar cycles. right solar cycles yeah exactly and i think we're coming into we they know that one is they, they actually know that we're going into one or at least some of them know and so they're faced with the problem because we've got a population of eight billion to feed and we're going through a time of huge transition the grow zones will change this this is the problem it's not that there won't be enough food but the grow zones will change and if they change if the polar vortexes change and some parts become wetter and other parts become drier um if you can't grow enough food for your people and it doesn't matter how many weapons you've got or whether you've got the reserve currency or whatever if you can't grow the food your people are going to, well, they become restless. People, people, well, they say with, with, was it nine meals away from chaos? They turn so to Mad Max. Their tactic is to front run the problem. And the way they front run it is with this scam of climate change, man-made climate change. And they're trying to very quickly reduce the population and control the population because they don't want mass immigration. They don't want uh, food riots, and uh, th they want to be able to present an alternative. And they're going to use the chaos, because there's going to be utter chaos. They're going to use the chaos to uh, what they call build back better. So they're front running the problem by shutting down the food, shutting down the fertilizers. Uh, they want us all locked away in our little pods and um, ready to accept the new regime so that when the when the chaos really hits, they've got us all under control or under the thumb. But the if problem is, had, I think, um... is, is that the chaos is, uh, the, the, the natural change is coming faster than they anticipated. I think they thought they still had some time and that by 2030, they'd have us all locked down and they'd have the problem sorted and everything on a blockchain and They'd be able to experiment on us and do whatever else uh, but i think the the change is approaching more rapidly than they anticipated and they'd be caught caught on the back foot if uh if we had a carrington event level uh solar storm occur sometime within the next decade uh that would basically completely wreck all of industrialized agriculture across the planet. We wouldn't have any tractors. We wouldn't have anything. We wouldn't have well, any any semis to even move the the good to uh, the goods to market. So, well, I'm I'm saying that that is coming. That is coming. That's exactly what's coming. But it's going to be worse than the Carrington event. Carrington event was only a small localized event. This this is going to be much worse. 
and it will uh, it will shift the plates. The uh, you know there'll be seismic activity, volcanic activity. Um, I mean, we saw Hunga Tonga blow up uh, just a year ago, and that was hardly even mentioned on the news. Hardly mentioned, but that's put apparently ten percent more moisture up in the stratosphere. And that's going to lower the temperature of the Earth at least half a degree, at least half a degree. So we're going to see it in this next grow season, the world is already producing less food than it's consuming already. And then they're adding, they're, they're adding on top of that problem the fact that they've shut down fertilizers and they've shut down um, supply uh, chains. Well, so, they, so the, I, I guess... Yeah, uh brief handle on a question is well I, I, I would say this are they are they aiming for a global holodomor Spartacus yes yes I think they are yes. I think they, yes I they want so us because because they, they but yes but the, what I'm saying is they know what's coming and they are front-running it because if they front-run it they can control it so what they're front-running it because they want us on rations they want us eating bugs for when the change comes, because if they haven't got a handle on the problem with the amount of people that are on Earth, if they haven't got a handle on it in advance, and it just it just suddenly breaks loose that there's not enough food and blah 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 blah, and they've got no solutions, people will just go mental. So they they are front they are using the chaos to their advantage this is what i'm saying okay. they know what's coming they're using it to their advantage and this is why this is look if you know there's going to be a big problem coming in the next few years then uh, you know you've got different ways to approach it and what you you can do if you're the a psychopath is say well we're going to use it we're going to suck out all the wealth we're going to we're going to take the remaining wealth we're going to use it to experiment on people because there's going to be no comeback anyway. A lot of them are going to end up dead, so we might as well use them while we can. We'll experiment them, on them. We'll we'll build our bunkers underground and store our food underground, and we'll 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 make it so that when we when we build back better afterwards, when we emerge after the problem is, you know, after we've gone through this troubled period. We'll we'll emerge as top dogs with all the money and uh, and a surf class, and we won't have this problem again. Because we'll keep the population under control. We'll make sure there's always a small population. Uh, we'll have robots to do all the work and AI, and we don't we don't need a big population. So we'll make sure that when we have this reset, that we come out of it on the other side as winners. That's that's how I see it. They know what's coming, and they are positioning themselves to be top dogs. That's it. Basically, they're using the population and a couple hundred years of industrialism as a stepping stone to unimaginable wealth and power uh, and leaving everyone else behind. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But but they know this. Look, what I'm, did you see the movie Don't Look Up? Yeah, oh, yeah. funny. <laughs> The Netflix movie, Don't Look Up, right? Yeah. And, uh, that, that was supposed to be a metaphor of climate change. There's people, you know, there was this, uh, was it meteorite going to strike Earth and cause devastation? But, but, but the thing is, is the, the point that is... Movie is, is that movie is just worth way. watching to watch an old Sigourney Weaver in the buff. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it 
has all the themes in it of the psychopaths now that uh, that uh, they knew there was a uh, um, something headed towards Earth, and uh, that billionaire psychopath said, "Well, we can we can maybe we can mine. Well, we're not going to destroy it. We're not going to push it out of the way. We're not going to alter the trajectory of this uh, meteorite or whatever. What we'll do is we'll, we can mine it." You know, yeah. we, we, we've got all these metals in it. We can mine it. We can do this. We can do that. We're not going to save the earth. No, no. We can make ourselves a lot richer. And and, and then you had the others that said, oh, no, well, you know, we've got a spaceship. We'll go to, to Mars like Elon Musk. All, all, this, all the crazy stuff you're seeing now is, is what you're seeing, you know, is what you're seeing now, is, is what you're seeing in that movie. And, um, and they're telling the ordinary population, the media there is telling the ordinary population, oh, no, it's not true, don't look up, don't look up. Now, that was taken as a metaphor for climate change. Now, climate change isn't true. Climate change isn't man-made. It's not our fault that it's, you know, uh, the things that are going to happen are not man-made. Uh, this is a natural cycle, which we can't stop or prevent. And the Earth's been through it many a time. Uh, we're in we're in a magnetic excursion right now, uh, and, and yeah, right now, and it's getting it's accelerating, and and that is going to affect people mentally. Is going to affect. Uh, is going to allow much more radiation. Uh, it, uh, it, it, you could argue you know, that's happening already. <laughs> that's well, yeah, it, it, it is. It's, it's been it's been happening. It's been happening for the for the last hundred. It's been happening since the Carrington event. But it's accelerating. We're reaching the point. We're reaching the bottom point before it starts going back up. So we'll we'll reach out when it's at the bottom point. We are really vulnerable because we've got virtually no magnetic shield. Uh, any incoming radiation, any incoming bolides, any you know, all, all that sort of thing. Our jet streams will change. Our grow zones will change. Our weather will go freaky. Everything will you know more more volcanic activity, more earthquakes. People are going to, you know, people are going to panic. So so what they've done, and I honestly think, and this is where I think you're correct, Kevin, is they're using the, uh, they're using uh, books like The Apocalypse as a play, as a, as a, a, a gameplay. Yeah, as a gameplay. Because they, they, they're going to, instruction manual, exactly, because they've, the plagues that I mentioned, well, they've caused them themselves. And, and all the other things, the famine, uh, they, they've said, "Oh, this is a good idea. Well, you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll use this as a playbook uh, to 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 roll out our um mm. uh, our, our uh, you know our gameplay." And uh, they've planned this out meticulously. I think they've known for quite a while what what's coming. And and the, you see, the other the other option was, of course. Is they could have told people 150 years ago and prepared people and decentralised and got people to grow more food and 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 and, and build safer and do so, all sorts of other things. Yeah, but and, that, you have to make the presumption that um, get to get real hard scientific data to, for the phenomenon you're describing. I would say it's only post Second Someone... World War. Someone in the the um, the comments asked if I agreed with what's being said, and I said to a certain extent, yes. Um, the thing about it is that we we do indeed see a tendency among the overclass uh, to um, 
to, to build to build bunkers to stockpile resources and so on they're engaging in doomsday prepping so why aren't we yeah that's well i mean some of us probably well, are, it's, just, <laughs> it's a it's a resource thing right if i had if i have money i'd be buying a decommissioned nuclear silo why not right well but they actually, don't want they, they don't want us prepping because then they can't control us and they don't want us decentralized because then they can't control us it's fine if you know there's going to be incoming um incoming uh, natural change huge natural changes that you can't control right the logical thing is then to decentralize so you build smaller power stations in lots of places and you grow food in all different places and you lay down agricultural schemes and things in different places so that when the climate does change or when the earthquake hits or when the volcano goes off and an area is taken off grid you've got other places exactly because you're not you have some redundancy yeah you've got exactly that's the word i was looking for redundancy you build redundancy into the system right? you make it more robust they you don't, don't centralize they want people they want people to to fail they want people to be dependent on a centralized system, and then they want that system to collapse in a very, um, let's just say, pre-weakened and predetermined way. Yeah, exactly. And this is ideal for them. This ca coming chaos is ideal for them because it allows them to reset everything, how everything is done, and it allows them to experiment. It allows them to experiment on us. They're never going to get this opportunity again. Eight billion people they've got to experiment on. So they can experiment, and there won't be any blowback because people, once the changes start hitting, and I think they're going to hit in the next two or three years, I think we're going to see bang, bang, bang. Yeah, this is, this is all uh, suspicious observers, never-ending doom porn. No, no. I'm like, oh, bring it on. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 might, it might be. It might be. It might be. But the, the fucking sunspots and... Fucking yeah, exactly. doom cock Someone's asking in the comments, um, Spartacus, do you agree with natural events being sped up? Um, I'm not sure how they could influence solar storms. Um, I don't think that that's the case now. That's what all that spirit <laughs> cooking's for, dude, when they're munching on those babies. Right, right. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is that um the right thing to do in this scenario really is to inform as many people as possible in the hopes that that someone can come up with a, with a reasonable solution to the problem but they're doing the exact opposite they're keeping people in the dark so that shows exactly. already exactly. that, that, well, that but, there is it, no but, trust there wouldn't it be more that we're in a sort of strange love type scenario where there is the what should we call them the bunker class i guess <laughs> they're, they're, they're down there we know that they've built these structures and look if you listen to the sun doomers um it's not going to make any difference anyway um it's all potluck depending on which side's facing it's the well the the extension i've seen of like the solar flare theory is this mini nova theory right 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 mm. and you know i can see i can see the logic there right you're going through a more dusty part of the cosmos the sun i mean it's all moving right so and then it just gets Maybe. Uh, but, but, but we ha we have we have scientific we do have data now we have the data on the magnetic excursions we know their frequency we know that every time they've occurred there's been a mass extinction 
we know that species disappear and then suddenly reappear. So we, we, we do have, and this is only recently, that we have this scientific data, that, that it's become accessible to the public. But have they known this for, have some of these people known this for a longer period? I think them. I think there's always been a, a um, I don't know what you want to call it, maybe a priestly scientific class, uh, hermetics, whatever, that have always passed on their secret knowledge, uh, alchemy, whatever you want to call it, from generation to generation. And they know about the cycles. A lot of the ancient people knew about the cycles. And the thing is, is we've always had this. No empire has ever lasted more than four, you know, a couple of hundred years. Hey, um, this, uh... Roman maybe. Maybe Roman, Eastern, Western Roman. British, but British Empire, sir. How dare you? <laughs> As for yeah. this being an, an opportunity for them to engage in human experimentation, um, the thing about that, one thing that, that keeps coming up uh, fairly often is that a lot of um, dissident figures on Twitter have noticed that a lot of the people they've run into, uh, a lot of uh, people who are, are critics of the dissident movement, uh, it turns out that, I mean, very often they have these uh, credentials where they're working in, like, longevity tech. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, you yeah. keep noticing that over and over again. These people on, on Twitter, it's like, uh, they'll, they'll look in their backgrounds. It's like, oh, my God, this is yet another guy who works in, like, in um, essentially, like, like sins, uh, like, engineered negligible senescence and all that and, mm -hmm. and stuff. And, um, and then... It's it's like if you look at the the mRNA delivery platform, the lipid nanoparticles and all of that. Yeah. Uh, te technically speaking, that same system could be used as the basis for um, a for longevity drugs. Yeah. If I mean, uh, think about what they're doing with with Yamanaka factors, reprogramming the epigenome and all of that, resetting cells to a more youthful state. Mm. Uh, if you wanted to do that. One of the easiest ways to do it would be to introduce um, mRNAs into cells, mRNA strands, uh, coding for those. Well, so it's, the issue you have ago is the uh, contamination. <laughs> not just the the <laughs> contamination, not just the uh, the quality control in the manufacturing, but also the, the just the toxicity of lipid nanoparticles and and yeah, I bet synthetic you, I bet you mRNA. Got the money though, you can get some uh, custom. Custom lipid nanoparticle, you know, proper care after the IV drip, and right. get your, uh, <laughs> get your attempt to get your molecular signaling in. I could, I could see that real easy. And the thing about it is that if we really look at what's going on, this is a perfect opportunity for them to test. I mean, <laughs> opportunity for them. It's a nightmare for the rest of us. Um, it's a perfect opportunity for them to test, uh, essentially, the, the delivery mechanism for a longevity drug. I mean, just the, the it, among, is, among the, other things. The fact is that they can test anything, anything they want to. We wouldn't yes. have a clue. They can test any drug, any delivery mechanism, anything they want to. We wouldn't yes, have a clue. Synthetic, synthetic biology, um, whatever they wanted. And the thing is, is that right now they're trying to get a foot in the door. They're trying to have a regulatory framework that's basically um, a complete wild west, where they have where the W. There's no 
um, local regulation. The WHO has complete control over what everyone gets injected with. Centipede saying LMP is a subpar delivery platform. Maybe. I bet they'll get it better, though. I bet they'll tune that approach. I mean, they've, they've seen... But if, if you just took the consequences from the vaccine rollouts and this class switching, right? If that's, again, if that's a sort of permanent, I presume it is, switch in one system, right? I mean, in them, this is how these people would think, where they'd be like, well, ah, we can um, try and target, I don't know, metabolic, whatever, cycle of, of, of their interest. Um, um, I can't... Ellen... LNPs are kind of concerning because of like you know zeta potential and the behavior yeah, of yeah but they 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 work on that for sure yeah um you know I'm, I'm, maybe it's just my lack of chemistry background but is it is it so hard just to mimic the phospholipid bilayer Make yeah it... pretty pretty tricky mm. okay it's well. Bad. I mean, I don't know, like, if, if you, like, if, if you just take the basic things like exosomes, right, how much protein and stuff do they have on the surface? Why can't, why can't we produce exosomes? Well, uh, so, someone in the, the comments asked me, um, how are you going to prepare? What are you doing? Do you have children? Uh, no kids, um, but I do happen to have, you know, quite a lot of supplies stocked up, let's just say. Yeah, uh, Sparkus is well prepped. Put it that way. <laughs> Lots of ammo. Yes, um, I'd <laughs> I'd say um, like at least a thousand rounds in every caliber. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and um, I would if I could. And, and you know, and Daytrex bars and first aid kits and and mm. uh, tubs full of. You know, ration packs and various things, freeze yeah. dried. Uh, yeah, you guys in the US are so lucky in that fashion. Yeah, uh, there are lots of outlets that sell that kind of stuff. And, um, so what's what's pretty, your, what's your, selection what's your to chances from? then for Mini Nova or uh, where, where would you put that as a probability? Some someone said, "Give us a timeline. Like, what? When are yeah. we going to see um, <laughs> Michael, this stuff start happening?" <laughs> sun Sun Doom is always tomorrow. That's what I've learned. Um, I honestly, I I couldn't even begin to to give to even like venture a guess as to the exact timeline. Um, I think that we're gonna we're going to see some some serious stuff happen within a decade. Within a decade, I mean, no, no later. I, I agree, and I can give you a rough timeline. And the reason I can give it is because of uh, population um, projections by uh, people like Deagle. Um, yeah, who, Deagle's, who, Deagle's a controversial <laughs> data, yeah, data well, source, dude. I, I, every yeah. time that gets mentioned on my stream, oh, guaranteed, someone will write to me. <laughs> Deagle's really? not real, yeah. <laughs> yeah well the thing is that, that i think that's probably uh i think the cia or something like that has had an input into that um but the population for forecasts are forecasting ends in about 2025 it doesn't extend beyond 2025 and it's well, quite a drop 
if, if, in the West, is it is it possible that um, the virus or the vaccine could cause like prion disease? <laughs> yes. But... Oh yeah. Definitely. But I don't, I don't, I, we... I don't think it would be at that scale. I just, um, I... Because if, if you know, if if for instance, um, SARS-CoV-2 spike happened to, like, uh, cro- we know it crosses the blood-brain barrier. We know it has prionogenic motifs in it. Um, if it were to cause, like, Kreutzfeldt-Jakob. In, for instance, like a significant percentage of the people who are either infected with the virus or injected with the vaccine, then there would be a, a delayed effect. Yeah, but you know, you know what? Such such a radical change in brain state across healthy populations. Um, I I would I would expect to see more signal now than we are, mm. and, and we're not. It's definitely had an mm. impact at that level. If um, if it did end up causing like delayed like Kreutzfeldt-Jakob, for instance, let's say that maybe in like seven years, like maybe eighty percent of the people who got COVID nineteen or um or the vaccine suddenly start dropping off from mad cow disease, that would yeah, be I, I, I think, disastrous. I think it'll go it'll go more like um the Alzheimer's type routes, Parkinson's. And it'll possibly and yeah. you know, instead of getting it in your seventies, it's more common to get it in sixties, right? I think that's how it would would manifest. And uh, even if that was amplified, well, the like amyloidosis, for instance, mm-hmm. yes. I mean, we we are seeing it. You see it in the data and the. Yes, they're doing like the the tissue slides, and they're doing like Congo red staining, and like RNA Burkhart actually found, I mean, amyloids in the yeah. tissues, yeah, as well as um, lymphocyte infiltration. Yeah, uh, they they found that um, literally immune cells start chewing through the aorta. Yeah, and yeah. someone could just go go right down with aortic dissection, like mm. right now. I mean, like I say, the, the signal is definitely there, but like. With the time frame that Paul said, what, what with twenty twenty three now, right? So what? Someone you've got eighteen months to. No, 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 I'm not saying that it's going to be caused by disease. That might, that will be a contr- contributing factor. The the, the COVID pandemic. Yeah, will but be if but if factor. if the if but, the sun intervention is so um, devastating, why even bother with the COVID route and the biowarfare route? Well, it's already weakened people, hasn't it? It's already sown division. It's weakened people. It's psychologically, it's screwed with a lot of people. And um, if we. uh, My my understanding of the physics of like a mini nova or or a super flare type event (laughs) is essentially just wipe out. It doesn't matter whether you're in a weakened posture or not. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Well, but what I'm saying is, they want. I, I'm not saying the 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 Nova event will happen by 2025. What I'm saying is, their population for forecast uh, for the for the population to, to drop uh, dramatically in the, predominantly Western countries is for 2025. And the point is, is that also the magnetic excursion uh, models that they have from uh, NOAA. Uh, only extend to 2025 and not beyond, and they've stopped really updating him. 
Um, so they expect, um, I think, um, a big drop off on uh, on population. Um, no, I don't know. What do you think, Spark? Twenty twenty five is pretty close, bro. <laughs> you got you got the the bodies would be uh, everywhere. Do you, well, do you believe that Dave shit, Spartacus? Do you know what we're on about? Is he there, Spartacus? Yo, dude, can't hear you. Can you hear me, Paul? I can hear you, yeah. Yeah, all right. Maybe you just hit the bathroom or something. But um, the... I did hear him say something, but... Uh, the, the, the numbers that you're talking about, this, this, this is why... Uh, yeah, so I, I had a question for you, dude, which was, um, first off, do, do you know about Daigle, right? You're familiar with the website? Uh, Daigle? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen it. Right, and, well, the, my, my point was that end date, 2025, it's too close now. The, the, the numbers of bodies would just be... Yeah, it'd be astronomical. Yeah. Uh, yeah, to, to to just get that through um, a disease mechanism. Uh, uh, life's life's more complex than that. Yeah, I I doubt that those projections will hold true at this point. Meteor um, strike, maybe, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm looking at. Something like that. I'm seeing a combination of things, including volcanic activity. Uh, the the weaker your magnetic field, the more. Uh, more you're going to see of the uh, inc incoming uh, seismic and volcanic activity, and also, but uh, yeah, earthquakes are piece of piss. You can engineer for those. Japan does uh, maybe it. In, <laughs> maybe in Japan, but uh, yeah, we, we shall see. We shall see. But I think in the next few years is going to be a rough ride. Look, whatever happens, they expect this new world to be organized and running the way they want it by 2030. That's a check mark for them. That's see, a the, benchmark. The way, the way I, I, I sort of calculate this is there's nothing I can do about Sundoom, right? Oh, it, it does it, it does it. <laughs> and it, it, like Charlie. I say, it's the, the issue is more this um, frontal assault that's taking place <laughs> right now on, on the culture and society that they're trying to birth into into existence at the moment and yeah that's surely our focus should be on that rather than prognostications of what's his name yeah. does suspicious observers but, but they, they already <laughs> but they already whatever happens whatever happens it has the same solution and that is decentralize and network because you're not going to beat these people they've got all the institutions in their back pocket and the governments and they've got so much power how are you going to how are you going to how are you ever going to bring them to justice most, most people don't even what most gonna, people don't even, what are you going to do for justice bro most people don't even know what's going on let's be honest i bet you 80% of people are clueless really oh. I want. I want. Yeah, I, I want. Yeah. I want to hear Sparker's solution. <laughs> um. Well, the thing is, is that I would ordinarily at this point I would say we need to raise awareness as much as possible. 
But really, that's kind of a hollow statement if we stop and think about the actual difficulty of, um, you know, persuading people that this is what's really going on. Um, and like you said, you know, a lot of people are just very emotionally resistant to, the, to being told these sorts of things. So it, you're already kind of like caught in a bit of a bind, trying to, just trying to persuade them. Um, they're all, they've already been conditioned to view all of these things. Oh, that's just a conspiracy theory. You know, that's that's not real. Because the alternative, I mean, them accepting that it's real, uh, would require that they completely restructure their their entire worldview to incorporate this new factor that they that they never accounted for and the reason why they have all these different ego defense mechanisms that kick in is because they want to preserve their pre-existing worldview they want they they don't want the house of cards to collapse yeah so yeah and i see that in the no virus mentality Mm, yeah yeah but a lot of people see an attack on their beliefs or what they believe in as an attack on their ego. So they're not willing to shift their... It doesn't matter what data you present or uh, or even the, the facts or the things that are happening around them, which, which, which should make anybody suspicious. Anybody with half a brain should, should be suspicious. You don't have to be a scientist to look at the last three years and think there's something terribly wrong. You've been herded into the abattoir. Yeah, but this is it. This is it. There's something terribly wrong. And people, this is what amazes me. I walk around shaking my head all the time, say to my wife all the time, so how can people not see? How are they continuing with their normal lives, pretending that everything's fine? I just just don't get it. Well, this is a point that came up earlier, and perhaps they're not, right? If If we actually got unbiased news feeds and information feeds, from a lot of these European countries, seems to be a lot of uh, civil unrest. It's not just France, Germany as well. Um, true, um, true. Spanish and Portuguese, they're uh, too busy having siestas, but um, <laughs> Italy's a little bit on the... has a, it's, it's more political instability right now, but for sure there's mm. large populations moving, and... Thankfully, a lot of that was um, against the escalating of the war in Europe right that's now. That's a good thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. Um, well, well, let's hope that enough people wake up and 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 prepare, because they're just getting ready to just drop this hammer. They're going to use the the first sign of major natural change they're just going to drop the hammer they're just going to scream climate change and you all have to be rationed and you all have to be locked down because blah 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 they're just getting ready for it this is this is what they're going to do they're going to do in fact chaos on the on the street violence on the street is going to be to their advantage because they'll just bring the military in that's all they want. They want chaos. They want that. That's what they. That's what they do. They're deliberately trying to make people angry with this uh, tranny hour and all the other distractions that they're throwing at us. It's deliberate to make people stressed and angry, so that there's a backlash that they can put in the army and say, "Well, you, it's your fault. We can't trust you. We can't. We can't trust you. You can't behave." So, 
you're gonna have to be uh, you go oh, you're gonna need your ids so we can identify and we're gonna have to put up more cameras and um you know you, you can't be trusted look, look look what you've done so uh that that's what's coming we, we don't live in democracies anymore uh, anyone who thinks that is deluded a saving grace for uh some of america is that where they try to put up those devices people got rifles to shoot <laughs> right so right, right. Little... <laughs> All those have 5G heard, antennas um, across the countryside, take them out from. Have you heard like uh, George Monbiot going on about, uh, you know, how agriculture is like the worst thing ever? I can't like, stand we were... that dude. No, I can't stand him either. He's... Another Jew. Yeah, Sorry. Is he? <laughs> yeah, he's a Jew. There you go. What can I say? Uh, hashtag they always come through. Right. <laughs> Left wing Jew. Um, yeah, it's, um... didn't he have this stupid series like a thousand days to save the planet in the Guardian? Yeah, it was, it was some it was literal garbage, right? But they were like in the corner of the newspaper for like I was three years, they were counting down to the end of <laughs> George, George Monbiot, uh, Kate, uh, Kate Raworth, Herman Daly, um. Jeremy Rifkin it's like if you if, I mean the weird thing to me is that that people have only just started talking about the whole like you know eating bugs thing in the past the past couple of years um it, despite the fact that we've had like dozens and dozens of these degrowth advocates and thought leaders um tugging the ears of politicians and um and NGOs and stuff, and and claiming, oh, we need to switch all of our agriculture over to like um, to f factory farming bugs. And this was like this was over a decade ago. They they really started saying this. Um, I mean, and people are acting like this is something that's brand new. It's it's not. It's mm. something that's been ongoing for a very long time. Yeah. And look, you want to know how hostile these people are to you? But when they're dismantling Holland's agriculture mm, yeah. right that's um they mean business man they do. well they yeah. want to take over all that farmland and use it to build smart cities mm. where they will then cage people and corral them and uh turn them into their their serfs Holland is one of the biggest agricultural supplies in the world, believe it or not. What with the, I mean, I, I used to live in Holland, but all the all those greenhouses and um, my brother-in-law used to work in a big greenhouse picking cucumbers. Mm. They used to have so many crops a year and export them all. And um, you know, uh, they supply a lot of Europe with the uh, vegetables and 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 you know, to, not to anymore. Yeah. Well, not anymore. <laughs> You're all fuck lick spills. People are going to be starving, literally. And they carry on with this, people will be starving. What well, do they think is going to happen? What do they think is going to happen when people have got no food? That what do they think is going to happen? Look, look at the food banks. I don't know. It's, but... it's really weird, all the little contradictions in what they say. It's like on the one hand, they advocate sustainability and degrowth but on the other hand they, they say we can solve world hunger it's, <laughs> it, it's i mean there's so many little contradictions like that where they keep saying oh we need we need less 
fossil fuel use. We need less heavy industry, but we also need to provide for everyone's needs. Mm. It's so they are they are intentionally spewing contradictory rhetoric um, to try and and use honeyed words to get people to accept this anti-human ideology of theirs. It's working. Yeah, it's working. It is working. This is this is the shocker. It's working. They contradict themselves, and people can't see it. I, I, it just amazes me. It amazes me. You know. Yeah. It's just it's frustrating. Uh, there's a guy um, who actually uh, invented the um, was it the the nuclear salt water rocket? Uh, Robert Zubrin. Um, who wrote a book all about this phenomenon? Um, let me see if I can nuclear pull up a link. That again, nuclear saltwater rocket. Yes, I've um, seen the nuclear or attempts at nuclear rockets. They're now like detonating little. They've the, the, this isn't like the Orion Drive uh, where they use nuclear pulse propulsion. This is something that's far more advanced. It's kind of hypothetical because the materials to to build it don't quite exist yet. I mean, it would if you tried to actually build one in real life, it would probably just overheat and explode right away. But essentially, it's a um, uh, like an open nuclear reactor that has like a constantly like almost like a constantly detonating like super criticality event in the exhaust nozzle that's propelling um, superheated uh, steam. Out the out the exhaust nozzle at like insane exhaust velocities. Right. So, so the nuclear salt water rocket. That would. Uh, I'm just wondering if that's what that Russian Biden. And he wrote this book entitled "Merchants of Despair." Um, Radical environmentalists, criminal pseudoscientists, and the fatal cult of anti-humanism um, that goes into detail about, you know, how, how um, these, these groups that are, like, fighting against nuclear power, um, that are promoting degrowth and, and so on, are essentially dooming humanity. Mm. Yeah. And so Robert Zubrin's whole thing is, like, we need to go in the opposite direction. We need more nuclear power. We need, we need more space industrialization and, and colonization, have you, et cetera, have you et cetera. Seen that um, ion fusion generator that the YouTube, funnily enough, but um, they literally, like, it's, it seems pretty legit. And they've got it, they've basically got it in a, yeah, this is it. Right. That's a plasma react. Plasma. Yeah. Um the images you are let me uh screen with someone in the comments asked, uh Spartacus, do you trust Elon Musk? Is he a real person or a construct? Do you, whose side is he on? I will say that um Elon Musk's um grandfather um, was, a, was a pedophile, not pedophile, incestuous. No, no. Um, no. Um, was uh, Josh, Joshua Joshua Haldeman, 
um, and the, the leader of Technocracy Incorporated in Canada from 1936 to 1941. Oh. So, I mean, you know, that's, that's the original technocracy movement uh, uh, founded by Howard Scott. Mm. Um, the, the technocracy movement, their whole thing was, let's just get rid of politicians and replace them with scientists and engineers. We can have scientists and engineers set, um, lay out social plans and, and centrally plan the economy and so on and so forth. And then we'll have prosperity for everyone. So basically they wanted to kind of have like a Soviet kind of system, but in the U.S. Mm. Um, and this was actually back in the 1930s, 40s, 50s when, when this was going on. Um, the technocracy movement at its peak, um, they kind of came out of the Great Depression as like, you know, promoting like, you know, like their whole thing was like, you know, industrial capitalism has failed. Look at how many people are, you know, starving and destitute on the streets and stuff. And and we, we could, um, if only we directly controlled uh, production and the economy, like with, with, by technocratic means, then, you know, we could just, we could just do away with the price system and supply and demand and all that messy business and have central planning with, with, you know, a little group of wise men, et cetera, et cetera. That yeah. was their whole shtick. And they had, they had these, these great big fleets of like gray cars and stuff. And, you know, it was, I mean, sounds like China to me. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's basically, Tell, tell, tell me if you can click on that um, stream in the a lot, Discord. A lot and... of people, a lot of people don't even realize that they, that uh, this organization existed. And did, did you yeah. see? Um, did you see Elon Musk's latest joke? I think it was yesterday, thirtieth. Yeah, yesterday he tweeted out on uh, Twitter about he, he AI. About AI. Oh. And he, and he says, uh, all joke about agnostic technologists building artificial super intelligence to find out if there is a God. They finally finish and ask the question. AI replies, there is now, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And I, I only think, think, yeah, you said that tongue in cheek. I honestly think that AI will become uh, sort of godlike to in people's minds because it, it will they want it basically they want to outsource their decision making and everything else to AI because it, it absorbs them of all responsibility and that's that's what the technocrats want to do they, you know we'll, we'll we'll give it to AI because that way it's unbiased well we know that's a lie already they want um, machine governance and algorithmic governance to replace uh, human governance to yes. a certain degree. And, and the, the, the thing about it is that all these, these uh, like smart cities and in the Internet of Bodies, uh, the Internet of Things and so on, what we're talking about here essentially is a system that would allow such a, an AI to monitor and control um, as many different facets of society as possible. Essentially, essentially we're, we're giving it arms and legs before it even exists. Yeah, but th this is what I'm saying. That he says this, he makes this joke tongue-in-cheek. Tongue in essentially, if you make AI omnipresent, uh, you know, uh, it's, going to, it's going to become like a god. It's going to be everywhere and know everything. 
Uh, and that that's the ultimate goal and make all the decisions for for man so as individuals we're we're left out of the picture altogether and that's why they use this word stakeholder we're not we're not stakeholders in this uh, society that they've designed we're just just pieces the pawns we shifted about the board as they wish they they use the term stakeholder to try and and make people think that the that the process is inclusive, that you know that the average citizen has some role to play in in these decision making processes. When really it's exactly the opposite. Not only do do we not have any decision making power, uh, but they have also stripped our local representatives of any sort of decision making power and centralized everything in supranational organizations. It's a it's a horrific world that they've planned, and I don't know whether you saw that small um, clip from uh, what was her name, Alison McDowell, who um, who participated in a uh, a panel. I do, I do on... like Alison McDowell. She's... Yeah, yeah, she's a bit of a lefty, but uh, you know, but I do like I do I think she's hundred percent correct. She was in a a sort of a Zoom uh, roundtable type meeting, and with a whole load of education experts and they gave her her three minutes to speak and she really went at them because she said to them don't you realize what's happening you know that they they want to trade the children basically they become tools of of hedge funds because the, the the outcomes the outcomes of the educational process is going to be used because they i mean she goes into it in some real depth um, because they give them these these computer tables, don't they? And they can basically. Um, uh, it's not about increasing the child's IQ, but but pushing the children in a, in in a direction that they want to push them, uh, and also to milk them of all the data that they can, which will be fed back into AI. So she she said, look, this is they become commodities. They're tra- they're going to be traded by hedge funds. Don't you realise what you are doing? And uh, you know, no, the, argu- the argument is, is that, that that's been in place for a long time now, right? Yeah. Uh, but yes. They but haven't they actually. Are... Tra- they're, they're not trading people. They're going. They're actually going to trade. The futures that they trade in the future will be people, and uh, together with carbon, um, carbon uh, emissions, uh, carbon, a carbon trading system. You won't be able to do anything. It is a form of slavery. No, no two ways about it. If if uh, they accomplish what they want to with the Internet of Bodies, um, then human beings will, I mean, will ef- effectively function as nodes on a network. Um, yeah. They'll have they they will contribute brain processing power to cloud computing. Um, yep. They'll have a human brain cloud system that essentially harvests uh, human brain power to run machine learning and, and artificial neural network applications. Um, they'll also um, be able to, comp- to track people's movements. Um, they'll be able to pull biometric data, um, pulse O2 saturation, um, uh, uh, glucose levels, other, I mean, all their physical characteristics. Um, directly from their bodies and and harvest that data and and store it on remote cloud servers. Um, they will also be able to to run that all that data through uh, machine learning algorithms uh, recursively uh, to to be able to um, 
uh, to make predictions about exactly. people's yeah. future behavior, which which yeah. which will allow them to front run all the markets. <laughs> it's, it's Minority Report, isn't it? It's the precogs. It's Minority Report. They'll be able to. It's predictive, and 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 uh, and and they'll be able to predict wrong think from physical it, and just... mental. Yeah. Not just predicting wrong think, not just predicting crimes, but also predicting pro-social behavior, also being able to predict people's patterns of consumption, and so on and so forth. That's the things that people always think, oh, they're going to use that to be able to detect if someone's a dissident. It's, it's on the one hand, yes, that they definitely want to do that, but they also want to be able to predict literally every a single other behavior that human beings could possibly but do. They're like going to like monitor your shit, aren't they? They're gonna monitor your shit, and they're gonna put a a thing on your fridge, so they know they'll know everything. They want to predict which brand of cereal you're going to eat the uh, the next. Exactly. Time. They, exactly. I mean, even the most mundane and asinine data points, they want to collect it all. Yeah. That's what Harari said: is that they'll be able to they'll be able to hack human beings. They'll be able to get under your skin. That's exactly yes. what they'll be able to do. And, and 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 a lot of it will be on the front of uh, well, we you know we're providing better medical uh, me medical insights, and because uh, my son's a type one di a diabetic, and for some time he he had one of those um, glucose, uh, you know, you stick it on you stick it on your skin, and you, with your phone you can you can uh, monitor your glucose levels. And uh, constantly, and you can, uh, and it can be sent to a central to the cloud, and you can get uh, help and advice. But the thing is, for every good thing that can be done with it, it can also be used to control people. And this, yeah. this is what they're going to do. This is what they're going to do. And this is the shame of it because it has so much potential for um, for making life better for people. Um, yes, the, the thing is, is that these technologies, if employed benevolently, um, could could be used to treat to, I mean, to cure cancer. I mean, we're talking about like cellular reprogramming in some of the in some instances. Um, it, I mean, they could be used um, to increase longevity, to to um, improve people's cognitive faculties, to treat Alzheimer's, um, all sorts of things. And and yet they're planning on using these technologies essentially as a cudgel to beat humanity into submission. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it has all this potential for for good, they want they want to deliberately use it for evil. And that yeah. that is I mean it's so obvious when you look at the their their patterns of behavior and what they're saying about about what their their plans are for the technology, essentially mass surveillance. Um mm -hmm. and we listen to like Mark Changizi for example saying um, you know, it, it, these people don't necessarily have bad intentions. If you assume that they have bad bad intentions, you know, you're just you're just kind of. You, I mean, that's just your own personal bias talking. Like basically, what he was trying to say is that, you know, is that is that even the most villainous people do what they do with good intentions, right? That they they don't get up in the morning and say, "I'm going to do, to conduct evil today." Perfect. Right? <laughs> um, but but the thing is, is that I'm not so sure about that, bro. I am not so sure about that either. <laughs> I what I what I think is maybe that's true for for a, a large percentage of people who in the lower rungs. But I but I think that the ringleaders who are doing this actually 
are doing it with bad intentions. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but they, but they don't see it as bad intentions. They see it as the end justifies the means. And they think there's just too many of us, and we are yes. damaging the earth. And they actually, they wouldn't do this if they couldn't justify it in themselves, that it, they were doing it for the right reasons. And, it's for the common and, good, <laughs> peons. Mm. <laughs> Take it. Oh, probably, yeah, exactly. I probably think they are doing it for the right reasons, but that's that's how you get so many people to go along with it. Right? Yeah. Otherwise, it would the the scheme would just naturally implode. But you know, there's like I said, there's a good point about the green um, spin that they put on everything. Um, it's duplicitous at best and malevolent, more likely, and. Well, everything has been driven. Everything is being driven by psychology. Mm. Uh, it's been driven by guilt, by uh, social pressure. You know, you, you you name it. It's it's they've redefined language. It's very duplicitous and deceptive, and they've used uh, well, it's psychological warfare. The, nothing else. Uh, it's even worse than the pandemic in some ways. A constant psychological warfare, drip, drip, drip. It's exhausted people. And people are just, that's why there's so much apathy, I think. They're wearing people down intentionally to, yeah. um, to beat them into submission. And, and helplessness, peons. It's, it's, it's so, it. what they're doing is so, so intrinsically malicious. Um, honestly, the people, I mean, at the, at the tippy top um, who are plotting all of this clearly have, there's clearly malicious intent there. Mm. Yeah. I would uh, yeah. say they're, they're well on their way to, <laughs> to having their uh, dreams come true right now. On a, yeah. on a light note, I've, I'm going to have to pull the ripcord because I promised the missus we'd go out this afternoon. It's already late. Um, have you seen this fusion? Um, uh, Helion? Yeah. Um, I'd heard about their device, but um, I don't I think, think I've I seen think, it like, tell me, fully tell me assembled if you can and hear tested. This, right? And so literally they just, they just slam fusion reaction after fusion reaction. We're seeing right works. now have been a closely guarded secret for years. Can you hear that? If you click on the screen, the stream. Oh, was there sound? Me. I think so. There was. Let me try. Yeah. Here's. There, I can hear. This it. is the can first time footage of yeah. this technology has been shared publicly. A technology that has the potential to change the course of human history. A privilege Helion Energy granted us when we visited their facility. What I am sharing right now is going to be studied by nuclear physicists around the world, trying to reverse engineer the world-changing machine. This is Trenta, Helion's sixth generation nuclear fusion generator. This fusion generator is unlike any other, using a completely novel approach to achieve nuclear fusion, adapting knowledge developed for ion propulsion in space. The generator forms two mirrored rings of plasma on either end of a reactor, and in a tenth of a thousandth of a second, they fire them at each other, sequentially activating powerful magnets to squeeze and compress the rings towards the center, where they collide, converting the astonishing kinetic energy of the ions, traveling at 300 kilometers 
kilometers per second into thermal energy, raising the plasma temperature to tens of millions of degrees, hot enough to overcome the electromagnetic repulsion keeping the ions apart and allowing them to fuse, forming new atoms and releasing a tremendous amount of energy in the process. This isn't the world of fairy tale. This is already happening. I watched the bright pink flash of fusion multiple times inside the control room of Trenta, safe away from the gigawatts of power surging through the capacitor banks of the reactor. Yeah, so that's that's what I wanted to sort of get to. I'll put the link in. The chat. Well, it's a it's a pulsed device mm. for one thing. It's not continuously out, outputting. Um, but another thing is that um, for for stuff like tokamaks and stellarators. Um, one of the biggest problems I keep running into is the uh, the problem of plasma containment and not letting it cool down. Mm. You know, um, and it's a really big problem. It's a big fluid dynamics problem because they've they've spent years and years trying to figure out what the ideal confinement pattern is for for plasma, and they haven't even gotten close yet. Mm. Um, they've they've tried applying artificial intelligence and um, uh, you, know, you know, machine learning uh, to the to the problem, but um, uh, I think it's going to be years and years before they have anything practical. I don't know, man. Pulsed fusion make a good weapon. It could, it could. I mean, if you know, shooting the plasma toroid off at um, some significant percentage of the speed of light could I mean, be pretty even devastating. If, even if you could use it to instantly vaporize air right you would create enough be much quicker than a normal detonation right what did he you say? ever hear about um what is it the uh the marauder project no um that was an actual uh u.s air force program to try and produce a plasma railgun that shot plasma toroids interesting cool. and um the objective of the program was the acceleration of a toroid of plasma uh, weighing 0 0.5 to 2 milligrams uh to a kinetic energy on the order of megajoules hmm. so like up to the level of like um uh like a 120 milliliter uh tank cannon right <laughs> quite a lot of energy yeah amazing um, to that quite, a lot, quite a lot of energy uh, for something that's um, uh, like a couple of milligrams of plasma. Right. Um, and um, they were hoping that they, they could get it up to, to about 3% of the speed of light. Um, and have, have like an explosive energy equivalent to like five pounds of TNT. Um, the rumor that I heard was that it worked. <laughs> Yeah. And then, you can hear any more about that then. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, shortly thereafter, the program went black, and nobody's right. heard about anything about it since. <laughs> uh, of course. Imagine like imagine like an orbital cannon with something like that. It, I mean, the the time right. between fire and impact would be almost simultaneous. Yeah, but how how long can the toroid remain coherent through atmosphere? That's a that's a good question. Um, yeah, um, it's, it's just... traveling. It's traveling so fast that we're talking about you know the like, fractions of a second that it has to remain coherent. But at mm -hmm. the same time, it's like like what? 
how could this disappearing calorie conditions be the, yep. that might be the limiting factor hmm interesting mm. but gentlemen anyway. i have to i've got to pull the ribcord um because i i did promise waifu that i would it's been fascinating hey it's been great man it's uh <laughs> it's always mind-blowing uh walking through this stuff with you uh paul thank you very much for uh dropping in with your sun doom <laughs> i'm gonna go enjoy the sun this afternoon is he gone? He's, I think he's left. Anyway. Yeah. I think he left. <laughs> so, uh, yep, I'll let you go, bro. Thank you very much for your time and uh, keep uh, keep uh, pushing, bro. Uh, I will. You're you're much needed in this fight. Thanks. All right, take care. You too. All right, folks. Um, the one and only Spartacus, and uh, just let me just see. If someone deserves a chemical alley today, I did see one. I want to say thank you to Miss Laura. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Much, much appreciated. Um, that means I can feed that bleak uh, today. And you can have chemical alley. The rest of you, shame on you. <laughs>